This is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all-sports radio station, 105.5 FM WNSP and WNSP.com. The latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim and Lee Shermanian. The opening kickoff. Here are Mark and Lee. All right, boys and girls, one day down. We are in day two of the SEC Media Days. Welcome into the opening kickoff. Mark Hyman, Lee Shervanian with you for the next three hours right here on the sports station WNSP and WNSP.com. We have a lot to dive into. We'll recap day one, get you ready for day two. Got a bunch of great guests. Encourage you to interact with us at 694-1055. And, of course, you can get us... uh, in the app at WNSP.com. Good morning, sir. Morning. Our coverage of SEC. His mic is not on yet again. You want to check those levels? This is just some sick joke that I think uh, Nick is playing from Memphis. Not Memphis. Where are they? Nashville. Try it again. Yeah, once again, I'll uh, try it. The SEC. Keep trying the different Keep ones. Trying, yeah. How we doing, Nathan? Apparently his levels are good, but, you know, this might be something we should try try doing. I don't know. Before the show starts. <laughs> Listen to you. Listen to you coming in uh, with some suggestions. There you go. All right. That's a first. All right. Uh, the Media Day is brought to you by Pat's Industrial and Auto Supply in Greer's Markets. Uh, as Mark noted, we'll talk to uh, – actually, we'll hear from some of the media members. We'll hear some interviews with some of the players that were taped yesterday by our Fantastic Four crew. And we'll also hear from some of the coaches uh, throughout the morning that were on the docket yesterday. The, uh, the day started out with uh, Greg Sankey, the commissioner, and he had a couple of announcements. He mentioned that they're going to Dallas next year, so it's one and done in Nashville. Hopefully they'll have all their construction done the next time they uh, decide to bring everybody up there. But Dallas, and obviously with Texas and Oklahoma coming in next year. And then the other announcement was that he said you can pretty much expect the uh, championship, SEC championship games to be held in Atlanta and continue in Atlanta. I think Nashville was was trying to get those games away, and I'm sure other cities were also. But the, uh, the crux of his message, again, was NIL. As we expected, he uh, emphatically said the only way this is going to get resolved is Congress. That's not anything new. It's been said before, and he uh, reiterated that the states can't get it done. The NCAA can't get it done. Nobody can get it done except Congress, and this is pretty what the message he delivered when he went up there a couple of uh, weeks ago, and he feels that the only way NIL can ever, ever get uh, done where it's standard for everybody is through Congress. Now, that's the message he delivered yesterday, but it's not the first time he has come out with that statement. Uh, we got plenty to get to. Uh, actually, a little news, something that we kind of toyed with and mentioned, actually, a report out of the Knoxville News Sentinel. Uh, we kind of dug into the whole Jeremy Pruitt, Tennessee story. Uh, a couple of revelations there. One that we kind of hinted at yesterday it was revealed that Jeremy Pruitt had wads of cash at times at Alabama. How about that, Lee? It's almost like they were listening to our show. Now, it's important to real. It's important to note that in the story, no one indicated that Jeremy Pruitt that money changed hands while he was at Alabama. 
But come on. Okay, come anything on. to help the economy. Um, they. He has said that it was just kind of part of his lifestyle. Like he just, he just went around. He just went, had went cash. Around. No, that like, I guess he was just a guy that had cash on him instead of, you know, using a debit card or a credit card or you know whatever. Um, it's a little early to use bad words, but I'm calling BS on that. Now, um, here's here's where things get interesting. Now it's all circum. If I were in a legal drama. You know, someone would be screaming, that's circumstantial, and it is. It's it's completely, there is absolutely no proof that any wrongdoing went on at Alabama, but it doesn't take a rocket science or a lawyer to figure out, eh, something don't add up real well. Um, so here's some interesting numbers for you, and I know it's early, so try to hang with me. Uh, at Alabama, from 2016 to 2017, when he was the defense coordinator, because he was there in different stints, all right. According to this report, he made 40, 40 four-figure or five-figure withdrawals. That's a lot of freaking money. Okay, he earned one million in 2016. He earned 1.3 in 2017. Again, not it, it doesn't. It's not a smoking gun. Okay, so when he was at Tennessee, he admitted to at least two cash payments to players. Okay, so in Tennessee from 2018 to 2020, he and his wife made 75 four figure or five figure withdrawals from their bank account. And he made about three point eight million. What do you think, Lee? Nice to have cash on hand. That's what I like to say. I I used to carry cash instead of a credit card, but. Never to the degree that he did. Maybe fifteen dollars, maybe twenty. Maybe you weren't paying random kids, eighteen-year-old kids, to come I, to I come hang with you. I wasn't paying anybody. I just had very very few dollars. But I was back when before I really got into the credit card. I used to go with cash. Now I don't. That's great. I would say that it's probably a good thing that Nick Saban didn't hire Jeremy Pruitt at this point. Yeah. I would say that that could have lent itself to a lot of controversy and given reporters around the state a lot more to chew on. You know, this kind of reminds me of the whole Cam Newton case. Remember how, like, there was a bag man and nobody, and, like, Mississippi State offered him money, but he went to Auburn for free, and you're like, come on. He didn't come on. I love that this, term, bag man. And, 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 and this kind of has that same feel. You're like, come on. He made all those withdrawals, and he was what, just going to Walmart and saying, honey, here, paying cash today? Nobody robbed him. Nobody held him up with that kind of money, if anybody knew about it. Yeah, where are the Pruitts now, man? This you man's know, a mark. That, is, that's a target. That's a moving target with all that cash on him. This is totally irrelevant from what you're talking about, but I just remember when Jeremy Pruitt came down here for the uh, first and 10 club mark, told one of the funniest stories that I've ever been uh, exposed to when he was working for Saban. I think he was a grad assistant or something along those lines. He wasn't yet the defensive coordinator. And he was sent down here to basically, I, I'm going to say spy on McCarran, but to to kind of park in front of his house or on his street and let the coaches know if anybody else was recruiting him or if any other coaches were in the area. And he was there like a full week 
and he was just eyeing what was going on, making sure that if any other coaches came, that his job was to call back to Tuscaloosa and let Nick Saban's staff know if anybody else was recruiting uh, AJ. And as it turned out, on the final day, he got out of his car and w walked up to the to the door, rang the doorbell, found out <laughs> it was the wrong house. Mm. <laughs> uh, he had us in stitches on that because you could imagine working for Nick Saban, and and for a full week you're basically the spy, and you're looking at the wrong house. Luckily, the other assistant coaches, he said, didn't tell on him, and he got away <laughs> with it. Yeah, that's unfortunate. That's your boy. That's your boy. That's unfortunate. Uh, in the app, uh, Drama Queen Mark is. Uh, well, I've been called a lot of things. I'm looking for a little clarification as to why the designation so early this morning. Um, I don't know. I I don't think it's a stretch to to assume that Jeremy Pruitt that that Knoxville his was the first stop in which Cash traded hands. How about Georgia? Anything up there? Not today. Not not that I have to report. Well, we have a guy coming on from Georgia. You might want to throw that in his lap. Uh, the other news, uh, the other thing we mentioned yesterday, we, we made it, if we were in charge, we said it would be mandatory. No opening statements. None. And Eli Drinkwitz was the perfect reason, it was the perfect example of why not. Hey, I tell you, Mark, though, that was great strategy on his part. But it, it, it's, it's, it was awful. You, he just, so... He said some very nice things about a lot of number about a number of people. He literally talked for I think it was eleven minutes and eleven seconds. So without he, stopping, that's like Lee. That's like Lee doing three and a half scoreboards hey, without stopping. Not a bad idea. Here's here's my take on this. As long as I don't have to sit through it, because I've had to sit through coaches doing that before up there. All right. So here's my take on it. It's probably good strategy on his part, and I'll tell you why. In the last two meetings down in Sandestin, the SEC spring meetings, of the seven or eight coaches that came before us impromptu, he was the most entertaining. But he was also making statements that the media was picking up on and, and, and basically targeting him for. Uh, this past year, it was about the, I guess, his, uh, what, his son-in-law, the pediatrician, was making less money than whoever. So he was very funny. He was uh, he had opinions. He was the only one who really had opinions, and he was easily the. And I, we talked about this two years ago. He was the most entertaining speaker. My take on this is he probably was told, "Look, stay out of the limelight. Don't say anything. Don't let anything get misconstrued because no matter what you say, somebody's going to rail on you. So just go up there and be vanilla." All right. So well, I have a I have a reaction to that, which is fine. But here's Drinkwitz explaining wh why he did what he did. That is probably the most efficient roster update that I've ever provided, and I tried to kill as much time as I possibly could so that I would not answer any question too uh, crazy today and, and trend on Twitter. So let's see how we did. Yeah. I mean, he literally talked for more than 11 minutes, and he went down the too deep offensively, defensively, and just for fun, special teams. But here's my point. If he doesn't want to say anything stupid, then here's an idea. Don't say it, but don't put everybody to sleep. I mean, the idea is to get information and have a Q&A and for you to just filibuster 
which is exactly what he was doing, didn't do anybody any good. Well, then— And I like him. Don't get me wrong. He was great on Paul's show. Like, Paul was kind of getting trying to get him to say something. Like, that was more entertaining than than what he was doing at the podium. But just say—just—I'd just, rather him go up there, say, no opening statement, Let's do these questions and just give one or two word answers. Yeah, they were good. He's good. Yeah, He's going to be great. Yeah, but then when the media picks on him like they did down in Sandestin, then you, you know, then everybody comes and makes, you know, says, "Well, he shouldn't have done this. He shouldn't have done that." So you can't win. By the way, if he filibusters well, who knows after his college coaching career, which maybe this year, maybe he could go into politics, perhaps. But I sat through a few of those. And the one that always comes to mind was Johnny Majors. Took up the entire 10 minutes going through offense, defense, and specialty teams. Somebody had to wake me up. I was, I guess, through the uh, third string center before we got to the special teams. Yeah, I zoned out, and I heard him say long snapper, and I zoned. I mean, I'm like, come on, dude. That's not if, what we're if here If you for. had asked me beforehand which coach would do that, I would have probably had him last on the list That because he's so entertaining. Yeah. So, okay, so I got we, we got to take a break, but I have some thoughts on Jimbo Fisher too because I just I, can't, I just can't get on board. I'm just not a fan. Uh, and I'll, I'll I'll explain why when we come back. T. Bob Aver is going to join us at six thirty. David Green at six fifty as well. Chuck Oliver at seven o'clock. Uh, we'll talk some Georgia at seven thirty. We got a lot going on. The guys caught up with uh, Chris Abrams Drain. Uh, so we'll hear that in hour number two. Trey Wallace in hour number three. Got a lot going on. But uh, let's get you started with the scoreboard traffic and weather. And, of course, your reaction, your comments, your calls, your criticisms, whatever. It's the opening kickoff. Here we are on a Tuesday. Stay with us. This is Mayor Sandy Stimson. You're listening to Sports Radio 105.5 FM WNSP. Well, there you have it from the guy. Boy, he went on for a long time, too. Yeah, well, he, he gets like uh, state of the SEC. And you know what? And now between now and Thursday, he'll make the rounds of most of the radio stations up there. They'll schedule them for morning, afternoon shows. So he doesn't leave. He sticks around, as far as I know, at least he has in the past. And he'll be a frequent guest. But uh, he had a message to deliver. And as you and I had really talked about yesterday, NIL would be right out there at the forefront. Do you guys um, – so I was listening to Jimbo, or trying to because he's talking a mile a minute. But I get – I don't know if uneasy is the right word. I feel like he tries to – I don't even know what the right word is. He, he tries to – certainly he tries to correct the person asking the question. He did that at least three times where somebody asked him a question, and he, he pointed out that whatever the guy asked was inaccurate, right? Um, and then tries – I don't know. He gets really uneasy with the 
NIL questions and the hot seat questions, I feel like. Uh, he gets very defensive. Well, uh, I- But he tries to come off as, oh, gosh, darn, it's no big deal. Yeah, go ahead, fire questions in at me. But I don't know. I just get the – I get a weird vibe from, from Jimbo well, Fisher. The way I read into the uh, Texas A&M deal is this. They had one of the worst offenses last year. Jimbo's resume has always been about being an offensive-minded coach. So somewhere along the line, maybe Big Booster said, go out and get an offensive coordinator. Now, as you know, Jimbo's been calling plays forever. So he hires Bobby Petrino, a controversial figure in his own right. So many of the questions yesterday were directed at Jimbo. Are you calling the plays? Is Petrino how much authority? Here's the way I, I look into this, Mark. If this doesn't work out well, I think that's it for Jimbo because I think he was given a life pass, or not a life pass, but a, a hall pass, bring in an offensive coordinator, let him call the plays. You basically overlook the whole program and you know move on from there. So uh, let's say Petrino calls the plays, but let's say they don't have guys that execute well. So what happens down the stretch? I mean, if they don't – there are many who think that a and is going to be very good this year. They're going to vastly improve from their terrible season of last year. But to what degree? What are they looking at now? Do they have to win the West? How, how much ground does he have to cover? And how effective can they be if things aren't going well? And let's say Petrino's calling the plays. Remember when Gus Malzahn did the same thing? He brought somebody in and said they're going to have somebody else call the plays. And when things weren't going well, he took the bull by the horns and started calling plays. So I wonder if this is the beginning of the end for Jimbo. Uh, Sean in the app, Jimbo is wormy. Reminds me of Bobby Petrino. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go, all right, I, I don't know Sean very well, but I would say nobody reminds me of Bobby Petrino. He is, in my opinion, over the years, uh, what's a good word to put? It's a guy I wouldn't trust at all. Would you trust Jimbo? More than Petrino, yes. But does he? But to I think to Sean's point and to my point, he just Jimbo gives off a vibe that I just don't feel comfortable with. You know, how sometimes you meet somebody and you're like, there's just there's something off. All right, I have never talked to officials about working with Jimbo. I haven't heard a negative word from those. Not not talking about the media, but I mean people who work in the administration. I have heard nothing but negative thoughts. Uh, negative criticisms of people who have worked with Bobby Petrino. And then, of course, I go back to that Auburn, you know, the jet gate and all that kind of stuff. So, And then, of course, the way he left the, the Falcons. And, I mean, it's a long, long list. And then, then how he left, uh, what was that school he was coaching and took the job at Vegas, and in one month he left to go to Texas A&M? That does appear to be his, uh, his MO, yes. Uh, you guys can jump in. There's plenty left here from day one. Uh, we'll give you an idea what's coming up in day two as well. We'll recap what Brian Kelly had to say. T-Bob Bear set to join us at 630. Always a good friend of the show. Uh, and then David Green to wrap up our number one. Continue with your comments in the app at WNSP.com. The opening kickoff here on day two of the SEC Media Days. Mark and Lee in the studios at WNSP. Stay with us.
Yeah, I was asked that question earlier. Um, look, Alabama and Georgia are the benchmark for what we're looking for, and, and what is that in particular? It's consistency and performance year in, year out. We did it one time. So we're not in that conversation at this point. So um, what we're hoping that it catapults us to is a more consistent football program that is competing for championships year in and year out. 633, welcome back in. That's LSU coach Brian Kelly, who took the podium yesterday at SEC Media Days. Welcome back in the opening kickoff. Mark Lee in the studios of WNSP. Get up to, uh, here we go. Let's get up to Nashville now. A good friend of ours, uh, 104.5 ESPN Radio in Baton Rouge, former LSU Tiger in his own right, T-Bob Bear. Good morning, uh, T-Bob. How you doing this morning? Yo, what's up, boys? Uh, doing well. Have you Get ready for another excellent day of media day? Have you taken Nashville by storm? Have you spread your wings? Uh, no, yes, yes, somewhat. It's, uh, you know, I'm getting a bit older, thirty-four now. So, um, <laughs> it's like I was telling my producer, he was like, "You don't look that hungover." And uh, I was like, yeah, well, because, like, yeah, so, you know, we've been getting drunk. We have to have a great time. But then, like, 11 o'clock, I've actually been going to bed. So, you know, I mean, we all got to grow up sometime, guys. What did Brian Kelly say yesterday that you didn't already know? Oh, okay, that's an interesting way to frame it. I just assumed you were going to ask my favorite thing. Um, go ahead. Go with your favorite thing. Well, no, 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 no. I think, I think you asked the more interesting question because – I don't know that I necessarily learned anything yesterday, but what I was reminded of is just how much I love Brian Kelly's perspective when you get him to really have to sit down and answer these questions and, and, and kind of buckle down on his philosophies and his process. But even that clip that you just played coming in, um, I think it's absolutely fantastic. And it's representative of the very clear eyes through which he sees his uh, his football program, right? And and where he wants it to be, where it is, and where it's going. So, really, it's weird. I, I don't I, like you said. There were no revelatory insights, but I loved uh, his entire press conference beginning to end. So I asked this question yesterday to Matt Moscona. He comes in last year, covered, I guess was somewhat bare, does a great job, wins the SEC West. Is it possible, as he maintains consistency, is it possible there could be slippage this year? Um, well, define, define slippage, not winning the West. Right. Is that your defining slippage? Yes, absolutely. Like, Alabama is very good. Like you said, they did it. One time, it's no guarantee. I mean, you got to go to Tuscaloosa this season. Um, it's an Alabama football team that, while there are question marks, uh, you still know top to bottom they're quite literally the most talented roster in the entire country. A lot of people think that, uh, like Nick Saban's comments, or even Tyler Bugner, is a huge commentary against the quarterback room, and maybe they're right. But, like, it's also just as possible that that's just a coach trying to maximize motivation and get the most out of that room and apply pressure and then and, and, and do so publicly. And that's something that we see all the time. And, like, just because the quarterback transcend doesn't mean they're going to start. Think about the Michigan State team two years ago, so there's Ken Walker Jr. They brought in Kimball's all-time lead passer, Peyton Thorne, 
ends up retaining his starting job. You think about Ole Miss. They bring in Spencer Sanders this year, but if you remember going to say Jack's Dart, that pushed him, and now he's forced. He retains his starting job. So, no, I mean, there could definitely be slippage. I think what you would want, though, and what Brian Kelly would probably say, because Brian Kelly, like all great coaches, is, um, you know, the process is not necessarily results-oriented. You take care of the day-to-day stuff, and then the results come as a, a function of that. And so I think what Brian Kelly would want would just be a more consistent level of performance from his team all year long. And maybe that results in actually like a, 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 a nine and you maybe only lose three games instead of four next year or something, or, but, but maybe you don't win the West, but maybe it's just a more consistent product. Because last year they were very up and down at times uh, week to week. It was very volatile. T-Bob, I don't think I've ever asked you this question, but uh, as I recall in my years up there, you're up there doing a show called Cubic. Do centers make the best interviewers? Uh, I mean, we're obviously just physically the best looking. Um, we, we have the superior body where we're not overwhelmingly tall like a left tackle. We're not overwhelmingly dense and fat like an interior defensive lineman. Um, we're the perfect mixture, but then also we're like overwhelmingly ripped, like wide receiver, where uh, abs are intimidating and they're unrelatable. Like a center is that wonderful mixture of cuddly yet still manly, and that's just on the physical side. And then you get into the mentals, and obviously, I mean, who's the guy making the calls? Who's who's the leader of the group? I, I believe that um, every person wants a partner who, who who can lead and take charge. Of a situation, so yes, both physically and mentally, uh, Lee. I'm glad you I feel very passionate about this. I'm glad you gave me a chance to expound <laughs> upon this. Um, yes, it, it's quite. I mean, it's 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 not even particularly close in terms of the most desirable uh, spousal partner on the football field. T. Bob Abair is our guest here on WNSP, and you know the other thing too. While while we're talking about the center position, would football not be better off if the center sneak were indeed legal we used to do it all the time as kids let's bring the center sneak out let's do it okay okay so this is my memory of that as kids and i wonder is this still the rule it was like if the ball touched the quarterback's hands that the center could then run with it that's that's is that is is that where y'all used to play as well that that's that's as i remember yes that that seems to be a correct assessment of the rules i mean i i there's gotta be some creative way to make that work functionally. I know they've done some things in the past, maybe where the quarterback's kind of reached around and handed it off. Yeah. I mean, look, the bottom line is I do feel you're getting out of here, Mark, and that's just uh, big man touchdowns. And for too long, big man touchdowns have been hidden behind a left tackle paywall. Um, Quite literally, (laughs) the rule book is conspired against the poor interior offensive linemen to deny them the glory of crossing that threshold with the ball in their hand. All right, let me ask you this. Uh, Nashville, known for country music. If you were out at night, and I'm not saying you were, but if you were, and you, you were at a uh, karaoke <laughs> bar, what would be your choice to get up there and sing country, country-wise? What would be okay, your song? So, so this, is a little, this is a little niche, uh, but um, uh, there's a song when a cowboy trades his spurs for wings, and it's a very funny song, and it's a very good song, uh, but it's not, it wasn't like a radio song. It comes from, 
this Netflix Coen Brothers collection of Western short stories made, uh, I think, like five years ago. It's called the the Ballad of uh, the Ballad of Buster Scruggs. I saw and, some uh, of that. I would, I would, I would see the look up when a cowboy trades his spurs for wings. That's, that's that's one of my favorites. I saw some of that. I didn't see the whole five parter, but I think I sat through about three episodes of that. All oh, right. I loved it. Man. Was uh, Missouri coach uh, Eli Drinkwitz your favorite uh, to listen to? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Drink, dude, Drink's got a forceful personality. Like, you talk to all, like, the, the XP never people who deal with them constantly, you know, and, and, and who are really um, in those relationships. And Drink is just a fan favorite, dude. He doesn't pull back. And, and you think about Mizzou, Mizzou was so sneaky good last year. Um, they absolutely, I know there's a dangerous lot to pull in, but they absolutely should have been 4 4 last year. Like, the Auburn loss was a complete, like, one in a million. You have to find a way to 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 lose that game. Uh, and then you think about how they played Georgia, and, and this is where maybe the logic doesn't be very faulty, but you're like, wow, I mean, this was almost the Mizzou team that was 5-3 and three with a Georgia win. So I don't know. I, I, I still struggle to heap expectation on Mizzou, but it does feel like maybe they're potentially in a better spot and treats in a better spot than – we would then it kind of feels like maybe outside looking in uh and and, and i think mizzou obviously maybe feels a bit of that too as they extended it in the off season i felt like yesterday he should have embraced coach eli right like so he does the whole filibuster thing so he doesn't say anything that's going to wind up going viral and man we're hearing about the you know the the two deep depth chart and we're hearing about special teams and people are trying to stay awake and then he tells us why he did what he did but man spoke for all nearly 12 straight minutes without a break as you know in radio only certain centers can do that i just i don't embrace your role man you're eli drinkwitz i mean i i know south carolina has i mean you're not exactly the the first team people are talking about in the sec east so just embrace it right yeah, I mean, look, I I don't think I've ever, I mean, to your point, I don't, I don't think I've ever seen one of those filibusters where people have been like, wow, I'm glad that I sent through that. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, such, it's such an obvious technique to, to, to just cut down on questioning time and everything else, which is interesting to me because I don't feel like the questions are that particularly hard to answer. Like, if you want textbook and how to handle it, go look what Brian Kelly did yesterday. Yeah. Like, even when he was asked about the, Northwestern Pat Fitzgerald situation. He started by saying, you know, I, I know Pat, and I'm not sure he does. You're telling him, blah, blah, um, And then they said, but look, as a, as a head coach, you have to know what's going on within your program. And he was asking, like, Jeremy Pruitt and, and, and everything there. And he's like, well, you know, I'm, I'm not read up on it, but you know, I know that it has to be adjudicated. And I know that you can tell that comes into that process, and I'm sure they adjudicate it, but I can't speak on it, so I didn't read about it. So he's like, just, just, you know, I, I don't like this idea of not wanting to go viral. I don't, I don't think it's particularly hard. So yeah. I, 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 I don't understand the filibuster. I agree. So, if you were in charge of Texas A&M, let's say you're the AD or the president, would you rather have Fisher calling plays or Petrino calling plays? Um. I mean, I guess at this point, it's almost it's like by default, Petrino, right? But it is interesting. Bobby Petrino didn't have a stellar offense last year. Like, he was middle of the pack, to, right? I think below middle of the pack on the FCS. He had a very good game against Arkansas. But it 
not like you are getting some hot up-and-comer who people have just a ton of confidence in. But, I mean, but look, after last year, Jimbo, and dude, here's the deal with A&M. A&M, if you want to talk about, okay, how do you take a team that has as much talent as A&M has and have it go so badly that they end up last, definitely – uh, Jimbo Fisher's philosophy is one of the ingredients in that how did this happen autopsy um, because it is old, it is outdated, and, and that's why Petrino, you know, is your name, and that would be pretty good in modern era. But on top of that, I mean, they had a revolving door quarterback. Right? They had a young offensive line that also dealt with a lot of injuries. Like, that's how these things go awry. Not many teams – um, do well when you play three different quarterbacks, and then you end up landing on a true freshman. Now, the flip side of that is, true freshman is very talented. He looked like he started to figure things out at the end of the year, as did the rest of the team. And so now, the opposite is the case where you enter the season with a lot of stability. You still have the great defense. You return the entire offensive line. You lose eight chain returns. You still got a nice, so got Muhammad. Like you got kind of regular. So I, I think. Um, I think that it is uh, it, it, it is not hard at all for me to envision A and M being back closer to that nine and one 2020 level when it looked like they were ready to be basically the second best team or battling Alabama in the Western supremacy. Like, like I am, I think they finished finish third, but I could easily see them finishing second or maybe even. You know, first feels a little bit harder, but like my point is, I I am not sitting here and expecting them somehow to go like two and five or two and six or three and five in the SEC again. Uh, T Bob, we appreciate. It. Before we let you go, no pressure, but if you feel like you need to take us out on this break, we encourage you to do so. Uh, well, look, I'll I'll be your local correspondent here live in Nashville. Now, I'm not a very good local correspondent, boys. So to be completely honest, my show starts at 14 minutes. I don't even know what teams are showing up today. Um, so, more importantly, coming up next. Later, boys. <laughs> Thank you, T Bob. Thank you, I, I don't think he got the point, which was that, that's my bad. I should I should have laid it out for him. It's early. He was out late last night, or not as late as he used to be, but still. Air of Excellence, Ken Morgan Allstate agent, and Eagle Dent Repair among our sponsors. All right, we come back. Uh, we'll catch up with David Green and wrap up hour number one of our SEC Media Days coverage. Stay with us. Karen, and you're listening to WNSP. All right, 6.52, wrapping up hour number one here on a Tuesday edition. Thanks for hanging with us. It's the opening kickoff. This is uh, day two of the SEC Media Days. Uh, among our sponsors, Ward International Trucks, LNS Air Conditioning, Rich's Car Wash, and the Green and Phillips Injury Law Firm. And to that, David Green joins us this morning. David, welcome to the show. Good morning. How are you today? Good morning, fellas. Doing well. How are y'all? You know, you can't go a day or two, and, and luckily it's not in this area 
now, but uh, listening to the news yesterday about some tragedies uh, with these flash flooding in other uh, states around the uh, nation. So uh, I thought I would ask you, with uh, obviously with uh, thunderstorms, lightning, flash flooding, and, oath and, so, and so forth, what, what can you advise people to do, especially on the roadway this summer? You know, i tell you what, we were coming back this past weekend from Birmingham. We'd been up there taking uh, Jay and getting him settled in to Birmingham and getting ready for school up there. And on the way back, we, we had one of these, you know, these storms that blew up, and it made me think about it. I couldn't help but think about it because it was such a big, big event. Um, folks just really uh, – some, some people really know what to do. Other, people's do. other people do not know what to do uh, when, you, when you have these flash floods and storms. I know we had one uh, – we were – probably around the Sarahland exit, headed back in uh, from Sarahland about the Pritchard area. And, uh, gosh, you had, you had wind blowing, you had rain, you had you know, people going everywhere, and you literally just could not see. And so you had people that started pulling off the roadway with their flashers. But I think it's important just to slow down, use your safety equipment. You know, we have the hazard lights on all our cars. Uh, very important to slow down and pay attention. And then one person did not do that. They went a little too fast. They went blowing by us and wound up upside down. I'm not sure what happened with those folks because we got caught in the traffic so badly. But, you know, just really slowing down, paying attention to what's going on. You know, one of the things, too, is just to, um, you know, watch the radar on your phone. Most everyone has a phone these days. And, uh, Lee, I think you even have a new cell phone, don't you? Don't you have a new iPhone? I do. Uh, yes, I do. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> And so, you know, get your, you know, get your radar out before you take your trip. So just look at what's going on, monitor your surroundings, pay attention to what's up ahead. Very important. You can save your life. All right. While we're talking about this, I was thinking, and, and again, you know, it, it's unfortunate that tragedies are occurring. What about in a catastrophic uh, situation, tornadoes, hurricanes? Um, oh, I, I guess we could go on and on. But do you ever get cases coming to you? about lawsuits over catastrophic uh, can you do anything about it or is just you just have to accept it well i guess you're, you're talking about maybe um at least maybe like an insurance claim or something of that nature uh if you've got damage to your home or car or something of that nature but you know yes we do we see those uh, sometimes uh, insurance companies uh, don't do the right thing uh ultimately many of them do but uh, you have situations where you have to get someone involved but uh, important just to note that you you need to you know, um, monitor, look at your insurance policy, talk to your uh, you know talk to a lawyer, talk to a local lawyer, um, and and get the advice that you need if you've got a situation where folks are just simply not paying. So David, if they want to talk to a local attorney named David Green, how do they get in touch with you? It's very simple. Uh, you can come by 51 North Florida Street here in Mobile. That's our headquarters. Uh, we also have an office in Birmingham that Ben Warren runs. Uh, you go Fourth Avenue North, the Forbes Building. Uh, ben and Cody run that office, and uh, stop by and see them. Or go to GreenPhillips.com, and uh, we have a lot of information there that's helpful to you. Glad to talk to you anytime. Hey, David, thank you so much for all you do, man. We really do appreciate it. All right, guys. God bless. Have a great day. Uh, coming up, uh, Chuck Oliver is going to join us at 7 o'clock. Uh, we will talk some Georgia with uh, Jake Rowe of Dogs HQ. The, the dogs uh, take the podium today. Uh, we'll have some Chick-fil-A for you in hour number two as well. And uh, the guys up there, uh, 
Got a chance to catch up with Chris Abrams Durant, so you'll hear part of that interview. So it's a busy hour number two. For those uh, that aren't aware, it's Vanderbilt today. We we start earlier today than we did yesterday. They started uh, about 9 o'clock. It's Vanderbilt first, then Georgia at 1030. Auburn takes the uh, podium at 1 o'clock and Mississippi State at 2 25. You know, sometimes when you go into this, you, you get a little story here or there. And so yesterday during uh, the SEC coverage, late-breaking story, Clark Lee of Vanderbilt given a contract extension through 2029. Got to tell you, Mark, when I was down in Sandestin, he's a very impressive speaker. He really is. Uh, the, the guy, optimism flows from him. They finished 5-7 and seven last year. And, of course, when you think of Vanderbilt, you don't think much is going to happen for sure. They do. They are actually the uh, first uh, SEC game this year in a sense that they open up with Hawaii a week before everybody else does. But it was he, I think it was about a year ago, that said and he didn't give so much a timetable, or maybe he did, that we're going to be very relevant and be a – I don't know if he used the word powerhouse, but he, he kind of stipulated that given time, he's going to have that Vanderbilt program uh, on the rise. Problem they face, though, like many other programs, when they get somebody pretty good in that program, they leave transfer they had a couple of guys last year that were pretty good transfer you know go let's go to another program uh we spent a little time and we'll get back to this uh jeremy pruitt uh, report by the knoxville news uh sentinel uh saying that jeremy pruitt had wads of cash with him at alabama much like he did at tennessee important to point out that in that report nowhere does it indicate that cash payments were made but Clearly, parallels were made. I mean, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that the lifestyle that he was living in Knoxville was consistent, according to the documents obtained by that media outlet, uh, to the one in Tuscaloosa. Um, I I compared it to the uh, Cam Newton situation, right? Cam Newton, according to reports, was offered money at Mississippi State, didn't take that money, but went to Auburn for free. Yeah, okay. Jeremy Pruitt made all these four-figure and five-figure withdrawals in Knoxville, admitted to at least two cash payments, had plenty of the same type of cash withdrawals in Tuscaloosa, but didn't. Yeah, okay. Okay. We'll play that game if you want. You guys can jump in on that. We'll talk about it later. Hour number two, Chuck Oliver will kick things off. Stay with us. Our SEC Media Days coverage continues right here on the Sports Station, WNSP and WNSP.com. On the country's first FM all sports radio station, 105.5 FM WNSP and WNSP.com. The latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim and Lee Shermanian. The opening kickoff. kickoff. Here are Mark and Lee. And just like that, hour number two. Thanks for hanging with us here on a Tuesday edition. Day two of the SEC Media Days. Mark and Lee in the studios of WNSP. 
SEC Media Day coverage right here on the sports station all week long. WNSP presented by Pat's Industrial and Auto Supply, Greer's Market, and Cash Saver. All right. Uh, if you've been listening to our station for years, you know at 1 o'clock, it's Chuck Oliver uh, with Southern Sports. And he's on the line with us right now. Chuck, it's been a while. How you doing up there in Nashville? Uh, it is a good setup up here, man. It was a great first day. Got to talk to Brian Kelly, maybe a Heisman Trophy winner, Jade Daniels, Eli. It was uh, it was just a really good day one. What uh, what did you take away? Okay, you mentioned the names. What about some of the? Did you get any? Let's say not so much news, but anything that you know you could go on and really expound upon as far as uh, LSU being a, a real contender again this year. Well, there's you know, conversation about Jaden Daniels who. You know, I always say, check the box. Don't turn the ball over. You know, no matter what else you do, don't turn the ball over. Well, he didn't. But the conversation has been about, all right, Jaden, now cut it loose, man. Uh, let's, you know, take the top off somebody instead of taking the check down or the nice 12-yard pass. Let's flip the field. Let's play modern football. And word is, that's where they have gotten him. So if you have a more explosive quarterback and it was already Jaden Daniels, and now he's really trying to, you know, flip fields. That's a big development because what do we always know about LSU wide receivers? Um, they're all tall, long arms. They can jump. They can play big receiver jump ball in the end zone. And so that's what they're going to try to do, and they're built for it. Chuck Oliver joining us this morning. You can hear him from 1 to 3 this afternoon before uh, Corey Labounty and Michael Bronner take the show from 3 to 6. Plenty of uh, SEC coverage. So what do you make of Texas A&M? Phil Steele was on our show yesterday. He says that uh, they're going to be one of the most improved teams in the nation. Are you buying into that, Chuck? I am. Now, they've got some, some work to do. I mean, they were five-win team last year. So if you win three more in a conference like the SEC, that's not nothing. Um, if you look at how their run defense was last year, that is horrible. Um, there were some Saturday. Auburn was one of them um, where it just they there was no reason to do anything else against Texas A&M. And you're like, all right, well, how do you make that much? Imp their offensive line was maybe the worst unit on the team last year. All right. How do you improve all that stuff, Chuck? Well, part of it, especially up front defensively, is just children up there. 18 year old five stars, but 18 year olds. And that is a tough go in the SEC. So they'll be older. Uh, the offensive line. I think that they'll be better with another year with Steve Adazio uh, working with him because I don't know what he was as a head coach. He was kind of uneven. But as an offensive line coach, I've always liked Adazio. So I think that'll help uh, if Connor Wegman can – how about this? If they play one quarterback instead of four. So Texas A&M could take a jump this year, but a jump from five wins, like, I mean, you add three wins to your total, that's gargantuan. Okay, that gets them like a December 27th bowl game. Chuck Oliver, our guest here on WNSP. You mentioned Eli. I'm curious. Did you get him to say anything potentially viral? He was uh, he was trying to be on his best behavior so much so that he filibustered for 12 damn minutes. Uh, yeah, that was um, – Eli's in an interesting spot here. Um, and I mentioned this on the show, what had happened back uh, after the season. Lee, either, either you're forced to give up play-calling duties – or you get a new contract or raise in an extension. Somehow, Eli had both of those things. They forced him to hire an OC. Yeah. And he went out and got one, Kirby Moore, and a good one, I believe. But they said, you have to give up play-calling duties. And here's $6 million a year instead of four and a half. So it's a weird time up in Columbia. Uh, and if you've seen the uh, facilities up in Como, 
They've got those um, top-notch. Uh, it really reflects the SEC money. Um, they've been able to recruit outside the state of Missouri because there ain't no players there. Uh, and they've done an okay job with that, continuing in Texas, which they've always done getting afford, whatever. So it's, it's a good enough product, especially on defense, but they couldn't score, and that's right at Eli's feet. Chuck, uh, obviously you're based up in Atlanta, so you, uh, you've got Georgia surrounding you, and it's all over the place. So when Kirby comes in today, do the, does the media go more so, hey, a three-peat quarterback or about some of the incidences, the legal matters that they have up in Athens? I believe it's going to be the latter, and I believe also it's been strategized in some ways. Um, the Atlanta paper has kind of gotten after. I mean, it's been it's been a dog on a bone, yeah, a pun, but that's just what it's been. And and it's surprising because if you know the family history of ownership, Cox Media and the AJC and all that, and WSB in Atlanta, there's a lot of family connections to UGA and have been for decades and decades and decades. And so that's changed some, but. Um, the AJC's coverage has been extremely aggressive, and then USA Today got on it, and then the plaintiff's attorney, after the tragedy from January, they filed literally last week, so they can file any time. They filed last week, so it would hit now. The story about Alan Judd, the AJC writer, apparently being censured by his former employer, Clarion Ledger, that comes out yesterday. All of this has been timed so that, Lee, exactly what you're asking, it's all been timed by outside forces so that today when Kirby walks in the room, it's going to be way more of a deposition than we're kind of used to to an SEC national championship head coach. They usually get treated well here. So, interesting. Uh, I, I, I'm not sure, Chuck, I've seen anything quite like this dynamic between the AJC and whatever entity is throwing out this information from Georgia's Athletic Association or whatever, but who ultimately makes that call to, to, to point out the shortcomings of a reporter at a, at, a, at a media entity that's covering you? I mean, that's not Kirby. Who, who is that? Is that the president of Georgia? Oh, Pre- like who? The fan base has got, and, and I'm just, I'm not singling out the Georgia fan base. I'm saying a college football fan base, particularly in the Deep South. Yeah. If you get in their crosshairs, um, good, bad, dead, or buried, deserved or not, then you're going to get a whole lot of attention. And if y'all hadn't didn't follow the story, I guess it was the last week of June, was there was a writer, Alan Judd, with the yeah. Atlanta paper, the Atlanta Journal Constitution, who had put out an article that um, detailed the allegations of sexual assault and violence towards women. And the, the response from all of the different cases from the George program well, Alan Judd doesn't cover sports, he's an investigator. And so now he's on this story. And so that really got him in the crosshairs of the Georgia fan base. And there were some issues when I was reading that story. I looked at it and a couple of times. I was like, this is supposed to be a news story. That looks a little bit like an editorial. Uh, it was a really strange piece in my mind. And I was, and after I read it, and then I saw the other – I was like, all right, I'm not the only one who read this. That's what started it with Alan Judd a couple of weeks yeah. ago, three weeks ago now. Chuck, uh, one of your favorite teams – I say that because you went there as Auburn. They're there today. Yeah. Uh, who calls plays for the offense, Freeze or the offensive coordinator? I think it's going to be Philip Montgomery's passing offense, uh, and it will be more of Hugh working with quarterbacks. Uh, he has the reputation. I'll tell you, it's guy after guy. If there was a good Bo Wallace, all right, if there was you know, a good uh, Chad Kelly on a particular Saturday, the good Malik Willis, man, he found it on those Saturdays. Um, so I'm a big fan of what he does with quarterbacks, but I think the offense is going to be um, Phillip Montgomery's. And here's the funny thing. He's supposed to be getting grilled. 
he comes in on Kirby Day, I think Hugh Freeze gets a little bit of a pass to that. I think it's going to be a very pleasant experience for him. He was very pleasant down in Sandestin. Obviously, a lot more pleasant than he was when his last year at Ole Miss. So, I would I would expect that to uh, carry over. And and I agree with you. I, I just think you know the the attention more so to Georgia based on what they're seeking and what has happened, whereas nobody's really expecting much from Auburn this no. year. No, and then also the funny thing is, like this is what I say: strategize your release nuggets and all. Vanderbilt has. I'm not trying to denigrate. I mean, we know what they are as a football program. They have literally one day all year where the media is kind of forced to look at them, and that's the Vanderbilt coach at media days, and they time the announce. They could have announced that contract. They had that agreed months ago. They could have announced that at any point. They announced it the day before their coach is on podium. So everybody strategizes the good. Outside forces strategize releasing the bad news as well. Greg Sankey, see anything that you didn't expect? No, in fact, he kind of jumped to me. I had uh, recorded an interview yesterday morning about 7 a.m., and I was talking about, oh, yeah, SEC media days, we're in Nashville. We're supposed to be here back in COVID year. It didn't happen. I was like, yeah, we're in Nashville. I was like, we're going to Dallas. We're going to Houston. We'll go to New Orleans. We'll go to Orlando, Tampa. And then, like, we are going to play the interview yesterday afternoon, and he had already announced, yeah, we're going to Dallas next year. So that is the easy bone to throw to respect the new members of the conference uh, because Media Days is just kind of an event. It's sort of a function. The SEC championship game, well, it's a game. So I don't know that you're going to put the game out in Texas, but you are going to say, like the men's basketball tournament, was that in St. Louis one year I'm trying to remember? Um, you throw a bone to Missouri. Um, so you need to do that, but not with something like the SEC title game, which if you notice, he also announced, and by the way, we're working on an extension to keep it in Atlanta. So the thing that matters, they're going to keep where it works. The thing that is just kind of a bone, they're going to throw that around the conference. Before I let you go, Chuck, what do you have planned today on WNSP from 1 to 3? Uh, well, I know for a fact we're going to get Hugh Freeze. I know we're going to get Kirby Smart. Uh, we're scheduled to get Clark Lee. And uh, I can't, I, you know what? Right now, it is a coin flip. It's going to be dealer's choice on Zach Arnett whether uh, we get him as well. But uh, we've been getting, like I said, uh, the good players on first day. Uh, everybody, everybody wants to hear from. So it's just going to be another good day here on site. Hey, Chuck, thanks for getting up early with us, man. Always good to catch up with you. We'll be listening today at 1. Have a great show. Anytime y'all want, brother. Thank you. That's Chuck Oliver, ladies and gentlemen. All right, here comes your scoreboard, your traffic, and your weather. Uh, we'll catch up with uh, the fine folks over at LCM Motorcars as well. And uh, Jake Rowe of uh, Dogs HQ covers Georgia. He's going to join us at uh, 7.30 uh, or so. We'll talk about the Bulldogs and what to expect today. And then, of course, we'll give you a shot of a little Chick-fil-A as well. Got a lot going on here. SEC Media Day's coverage continues right here from the sports station, WNSP. Hi, this is Jake Peavy, MLB pitcher and Mobile, Alabama native. You're listening to 105.5 WNSP. Seven twenty-two. Welcome back in. It's the opening kickoff. Mark and Lee coming up here in just a little bit. Uh, Jake Rowe, he covers Georgia. He will join us at 7.30. We'll also uh, hear a little bit from uh, Chris Abrams-Drain. The after or the afternoon guys caught up with him yesterday. You'll hear some of that interview. 
But it's now time to talk to our good friend, uh, Dave McCrary, over at LCM Motorcars, lcmmotorcars.com. He joins us here on WNSP. Good morning, sir. How are things? Good morning, man. You hung up on me. I'm getting ready to retrain you. That's right. I, well, that's what happens when you take a day off, man. You just kind of you have to you have to get back into the swing of things. But apparently, I missed a bunch because, as always, not only do you have a bunch of whole new inventory, but it, it meets a certain criteria. We do. I was just uh, when this morning when you texted me about the phone call. I was just adding them up. We've got over fifty vehicles under twenty grand, and um, that's anything from small SUVs to big SUVs to um, box trucks, flatbeds, Chevrolet trucks, Ford trucks. We got a little bit of everything on the ground right now. All right. So when's the best time for people to come see you? We're open eight to six Monday through Friday, nine to two on Saturday. You can give us a call at 251-375-0068. Go to the website, lcmmotorcars.com. I also like to remind people, too, that you're a one-stop shop, man. We can get everything done right there on property. If you need us, come by and see us. If we don't have it on the ground, which we should right now, yeah. uh, we'll help you find what it, what you need. Um, and if you do find what you need, we've got financing, we've got warranties, we've got everything right there in stock. Hey, man, thanks so much. We appreciate it. Have a good week. That's uh, Dave McCrary, LCM Motorcars, LCM Go to the website. Most of their inventory, if not all, already up on the website, so you can check it out uh, before you even go out there. But, again, like you said, if they don't have what you're looking for, man, let them know. They can go out and get it. And make sure you follow them on Facebook. They're putting a lot of their stuff up on social media as well as they're getting it. Uh, we got some time, 694-1055. You guys can jump in on uh, the multiple conversations that we're having, mostly recapping uh yesterday but of course looking ahead to today as well yeah and before we do that i do want to thank air of excellence chavis furniture new century tires the attorneys at hedge copeland law firm and eagle dent uh, repairs they're some of our sponsors i was reading a story that uh, i'm not even sure where it came from but the oklahoma coach and 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 let, you know let's face it with sec media days there's still that sidebar oklahoma and texas coming in next year and i and i believe i i heard if i heard correctly that there are representatives uh, for who cover Texas and Oklahoma. But Brent Venables went after Deion Sanders, and he went after him because of the major overhaul of the roster. I don't know what triggered this. I don't know why Brent Venables, who is coming off a disastrous first year at Oklahoma, why he's not more concerned about his program than what Colorado did in basically uh, transforming 70 players in and out and so forth, okay? So... And you know what? Maybe it wouldn't be a bad idea if Oklahoma used the transfer portal based on what happened last year, Mark. But I, I was kind of taken back by this because, like I say, you know, Venables right now uh, going into a second year, disastrous first year, a losing season at Oklahoma, and, and taking some shots at Dion. Uh, Venables uh, said, I gave guys 12 months of grace. I was unlike Dion. I gave the guys 12 months of grace to figure it out. Here's three. Go to class, live right off the field, and when you show up here, you show up with respect and appreciation with your opportunity. And if you go 0 for 3 for 12 months, you need a fresh start. So Dion didn't even wait for the 12 months. He came in with a mindset that I'm going to change the uh, the image, the culture. I mean, let's face it. You're, you're taking over a team that's 1-11. and 11. Now, I'm not here to defend Dion. I'm not here to criticize him. We'll see what happens this year. That was his take on how to get it done, uh, get rid of players that he didn't feel could help his team. And, you know, like I said, he's the one that's got to uh, the pressure of winning 
So if he feels he can do better, I can't fault him. And let's face it, the way uh, kids jump into the transfer portal these days, I don't see what the big deal is, to be honest about it. Uh, I do. Uh, I, I see it both ways. First of all, it takes a cold-blooded person to walk into a room full of 18 and 21-year-olds and say, get out, without really knowing them. It, it does. I mean, that's that's not that's not an easy thing to do. All right, let's go But back. to to your point, the man has been hired and it to to win. And if he feels like this is the way to do it, then you know what you're getting with Dion. All right, let me ask you this, Mark. What would you prefer? Would you prefer to be sitting in the room and have Dion Sanders come in and basically tell you to pack it along and, right. and get out or would you rather, let's say back in the, the 50s, be a part of Texas A&M and have the new coach, Bear Bryant, take you to Grand, wherever they went, Grand Junction? Junction. Yeah, yeah. and basically... Uh, <laughs> beat the hell out of you? Yeah, beat the, I was looking at the correct term, but that's a good way to um, put it. Knock I, the stuffings out of you so that you're basically left with a minimum squad to begin with. Isn't that basically the same thing? Uh, a different way, though? A different approach? Yeah, the the only difference is, is that Bear Bryant's way gave you an opportunity to compete. He's not even giving them an opportunity to compete. And I, I, I just think college football can't have it both ways. Someone's got to be the bigger person here. It's either the coach or the player. You would expect maybe the coach to be the bigger person. I don't like the fact that guys are leaving when they don't get playing time, but that's they're right. I don't like the fact that coaches can send guys packing – without even a, a, a glance at what they can do, but they're allowed to do that. Well, I, I don't know this for a fact, but I'm assuming that he must have watched some game film to see what he's got. I mean, maybe he didn't, maybe he did. But uh, anyway, it's going to continue, not to that degree, but I bring that up because Auburn today, they're on the docket, and they had the second most transformation of the roster. All right, we come back. We'll catch up with... Uh, Jake Rowe of uh, Dogs HQ. Stay with us right here on the Sports Station WNSP. Having success motivates me more. I, I, I say this from within. Coaches put more pressure and are more competitive than anybody else out there that does it. Whether you, what you say, how you say, that doesn't affect us. We don't listen to it. You can't. That, 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 those are things that don't matter. We know what we have to do and how we have to do it. But if you want to have success for your first, your players, two, the people who work for you, and three, your fans. That's Jimbo Fisher, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back in the opening kickoff, Mark and Lee. Uh, it's day two of SEC Media Days. One of the uh, coaches that'll be, uh, I'm sure, uh, getting quite a few questions today is Kirby Smart. Why wouldn't you? Back-to-back championships, bidding to become the first school, oh my gosh, since back in the 30s, I think, for a three-peat. And to that, we bring in Jake Rowe, first time on our morning show, and he's with uh, Dog Headquarters. Hey, Jake, good morning. How are you today? How are you today? 
good, man. How are you guys? Uh, with with dog, you do cover Georgia, not to be mistaken with Mississippi State. Uh, this is uh, this is all about Georgia. So with Kirby Smart today, where do you think the questions come fast and furious about the team, about the new quarterback, about vying for the championship again, or is there a little bit of that uh, the legal issues going on in Athens, Georgia? I think that uh, you know they they kind of had a a sit down, um, you know, got a statement out, got a lot of information out um, with a nine page uh, <clears throat> request for or a nine page demand for a retraction um, last week, and I think that that they're hoping at the very least that that quells some of that. Now, whether or not that happens remains to be seen, but um, ultimately, I think that's the goal, and and we'll see if 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 that did you know accomplish the goal. Uh, but but ultimately, I, I think that a lot of it will be about the quarterback. A lot of it will be about, hey, how do you keep your team, you know, focused and logged in? You're trying to win a third straight. It's hard for a reason. How do you get past that? Um, you know, and I know that, that, you know, they spent pretty much all day yesterday and part of the day Sunday in meetings, you know, trying to kind of get together what they wanted to do and what they wanted to say about all of the different issues today. Um, and, and, you know, anticipating questions and things like that, I think, you know, that they're going to be really prepared. And it'll be interesting to see, you know, some of the news that comes out of the day, you know, from our perspective, we're going to have some housekeeping things, injuries, uh, uh, that sort of stuff. But ultimately, they'll uh, they will want to, uh, you know, the national media or, or, you know, folks from outside of the Georgia beat will want to talk about other things. And, um, you know, I think it's going to be quarterback and complacency. Yeah, Jake, and you're closer to the situation. You know, obviously the national media and people like us, we're far away. We just pick up reports. Is the situation as bad as the AGC mapped it out to be? No, I don't believe so. Um, you know, it's – I mean, listen, they've, they've got a problem with reckless driving. I think it's an 18 to 22, 23, 24-year-old problem uh, more than it is anything else. And, and maybe George's is a little bit worse. I, I don't know. I haven't seen a comparison, so I, and I haven't done it myself. Uh, but, you know, there's a reason you uh, – I don't know if you guys have ever had to pay for insurance for uh, a driver under the age of 25, but there's a reason it's really hard to – to get affordable insurance for a driver um, of that age is because they, they tend to just, you know, get after it. And uh, they, they tend to drive it like they stole it. Um, and, and Georgia's got some players that have done that. They've had some uh, big-time speeding and reckless driving things, and I think that was accurately reported and, and well done. But, you know, when, they, when, when you know, the, the stuff started coming up about sexual assault and, uh, you know, other things like that, permissive culture in that regard, I think that, that – um, you know, got a little too far out of the skis there, and I think we've learned that here in the past few weeks. Talking with uh, Jake Rowe from Dog <laughs> HQ. So you mentioned about the quarterback, and apparently it's Carson Beck's job to lose. But it's my understanding he's been there how many years now? And, and that's what really surprises me that in, the, in this day and age of the transfer portal and in this day and age of quarterbacks coming and going in Georgia, he's stayed there, what, three or four years now? Yeah, he's he's going into his fourth season with the team. You know, the first one was uh, the 2020 COVID season, and uh, not only did he not get to you know basically enjoy the fruits of uh, of enrolling early, but he also did not get to you know go through spring practice. He didn't get to you know go through a, a traditional preseason camp, and then you know Georgia had all of this stuff going on at quarterback. Um, you know, with Stetson Bennett, with J.T. Daniels, with Jamie Newman opting out, you know, going into that season. There was so much that went on, and I think everybody kind of forgot that 
you know, this kid has uh, how long he had been around. And then, you know, he had his chance in 2021. It didn't work out for him. You know, as, as you know, he had a chance the UAB week after, uh, after JT Daniels got banged up and then Stetson took the job then and um, took it again when JT got hurt. And then, you know, the rest is history as far as Stetson goes. But, you know, now Carson Beck entering his fourth year, never started a game. You're right. That, that just doesn't happen. And on top of that, he's got a guy behind him entering his third year, having never started a game and Brock Vandegrift and uh, a guy entering his second year and, and uh, Gunnar Stogden, who, who has yet to play a snap at Georgia. And like I said, for quarterbacks to stick around that long without starting a game, that is really rare indeed. Absolutely. No question. So, Jake, uh, this Georgia team now, put your put your finger on it. How good are they? Are they good enough to win a third championship? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think they're definitely talented enough to win one, but it's all good. I think this team is going to, you know, you know, go as far as, you know, what's between their ears takes them. Um, you know, this, it's very, very tough to stay focused, to stay motivated, to stay driven. And um, I'm really interested to see if we get a little bit of insight on that today as far as the messaging goes and the and how Kirby Smart is going to kind of keep his team on track because, you know, last year it was, hey, we're at Georgia, we're not going to be the hunted. We're going to do the hunting. Um, you know, so what's the message going to be this year? What's the tone? You know, how is he going to set the tone? Because that was something that Georgia did a really good job of last year. Um, and I think they may even be a little bit more talented this year, just in terms of top to bottom and, and at some of the most uh, uh, dynamic positions. But, um, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be about focus. It's going to be about execution. It's going to be about um, not beating themselves and continuing to do the things that helped them win two national championships in a row. And that's not just by being the most talented team on the field. It's playing clean football and, and being a disciplined football team from week to week. So is uh, Bowers the player that everybody wants to talk to today, the tight end from Georgia who gets a lot of publicity these days? Well, if you don't, if you've never talked to him, you probably want to talk to him. Um, you know, if you've never uh, had the chance to speak with him, then you probably think he's going to be a really interesting interview. He does not enjoy doing media, uh, not a very talkative guy. Uh, so, um, you know, I, I don't think he's going to give too many sound bites today. I think Cedric Van Pran, Georgia's third-year starter at center, is the guy that is probably going to be the better interview today. But, you know, Brock Bowers is obviously a tremendous football player and a guy that's meant so much to Georgia during both of these national championship runs. I mean, he's been the primary offensive weapon, I would say, both years. So, um, you know, it'll be it'll be interesting to see, you know, if he does have anything juicy or noteworthy to say today because he normally does not. Do you think Kirby's going to have to defend his schedule this year that, that people have basically considered soft this year coming in? I mean, I don't think he'll have to. Uh, you know, he may offer something in in response to that. I mean, but, you know, Georgia had Oklahoma on the schedule. Um, Oklahoma was, you know, Georgia was set to go to Norman, Oklahoma this year, but the SEC expansion and, and uh, you know, Oklahoma coming over next year kind of changed that because they wouldn't get that – that home away return trip. I'm sure TV had something to do with that and the rights there, but the SEC kind of made that go away. And, uh, you know, it softened up the schedule, no doubt. But, um, you know, I mean, I don't know. He may he may have his own little uh, comeback on it, but but ultimately you kind of, you know, one of, the, one of the things you run into when you're, when you're a really good football team, when you're one of the best teams in the league, when you're one of the best teams in the country, is it takes one of the best teams in the country off your schedule. You can't play yourself. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll see if anybody can kind of pop up, whether it's an Ole Miss or whether it's an Auburn or somebody, uh, and, and pop up and be better than maybe we think they're going to be and make the schedule a little tougher. 
I was going to ask you, obviously there are a lot of people out there who think Georgia will go undefeated. If there is a game that they possibly could lose on their schedule, which one would it be? You know, a lot of people you know, point to the Tennessee game, and I get it. That's November. That's in Neyland Stadium. That could be very tough. Um, I think Ole Miss is going to be an interesting game. That'll be at home for Georgia. Um, but just where it's at on the schedule and some of the bigger games that are going on around it, I think that's one that Georgia's going to have to look out for. Hey, man, we always appreciate it. Thank you so much for coming aboard. Tell folks how they can get all the coverage they need and more of the Georgia Bulldogs and everything going on at SEC Media Days. Yeah, if you're on Twitter, uh, you can follow me at Jake M. Rowe. That's J-A-K-E-M as in Mike, R-O-W-E. And then uh, you can also follow our Dogs HQ Twitter account. That's just straight up at Dogs, D-A-W-G-S-H-Q. And uh, come on over to the website, dogshq.com. Uh, you know, we've got a full staff of writers, um, and we just added another guy here recently in Jeremy Johnson. Uh, Palmer Tom's covering the team. Uh, Rusty Mansell's one of the best insiders in the business. Jay Groose, West Blankenship. We're on YouTube. Um, we got a pretty big outfit, and we're growing fast, so uh, we'd love everybody to come check us out. Hey, thanks for the time. Enjoy the day. All right, fellas. Yep. Uh, Jake Rowe, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we're going to get you some Chick-fil-A coming back. Also, um, I, I there's there's really no way to spend what was going on in, in, in Athens with the speeding and the racing. Um, 18, 20 years old or not. It's it's not, I mean, come on. There's a problem there. There's a huge issue there, and and someone's dead because of it. Um, I, I don't know. I, this is, It's a big problem. I do think all, all the off-the-field stuff is going to dominate the conversation. Uh, maybe not, maybe not in one particular room uh, or another, but overall, that's going to be the topic of conversation. That and you know, how how does how does Kirby deal with that in terms of getting on the field and then playing? But I think it all be rooted in in that the AJC report, uh, the whole deal. Absolutely, and I, I think more of the national media uh, will certainly. Uh, be inquiring about it. I know George has tried to put out statements and things like that, but it seems like every time they do, there's another football player that's stopped for speeding or, let's say, doing things that he's not supposed to do. I will tell you that some of our sponsors that have made all our coverage possible, the Keesler Federal Credit Union, the Cart Doctor, really appreciate them coming aboard, Rich's Car Wash, LNS Air Conditioning, and Hedge Copeland Attorneys. We have an interview coming up with uh, Chris Abrams Drain. He once played for Spanish Fort. He's now at Missouri. All right. Uh, we'll wrap up hour number two next and give you a shout out a little Chick fil A as well. Stay with us right here on the Sports Station WNSP. Hi, this is Dan Jennings with the Washington Nationals, and you're listening to WNSP Sports Radio 105.5. could eat there seven times a day where the people laugh and children play oh i'm in love with chick-fil-a all right here's your chance at some fried deliciousness courtesy of wnsp what do you got for us well i was curious has anybody ever eaten there seven times in one day that's a lot uh nathan has raised his hand yes he did yes now do you go inside or are you on in your car outside it depends on which time you're talking about. The first three were in my car, 
The next four were in person. I got you. Because this is one day. This is when I was working there. Oh, uh, well, that's a bit different. You got no choice. All right, let's get to the question. All right, there's only two FBS programs this past year that posted a 12-win football season, a 20-win men's basketball season, and a 40-win baseball season. Only two schools. Name those two schools. Call Nathan right Yikes. now at 694-1055. Wow. And do it quickly because we want to get to that interview. Man, Levy, like, making you work for that Chick-fil-A today, boys. Neither are in the SEC. We're well, that narrows at, it down. Yes, we're looking for a 12-win football season, a 20-win or more in men's basketball, and a 40-win season in baseball for two programs. One's located in the state of Alabama. One's located in the state of Texas. All right, while you guys are doing that uh, – Let's do this. Corey Labani, our, our good friend and colleague, had a chance to catch up with Chris Abrams Drain. Take a listen. 2023 SEC Media Days here in Nashville, Tennessee. Chris Abrams Drain from the Missouri Tigers joins us this afternoon. Chris, how's everything going? Everything going good. I'm just happy to be here. Chris, it's been a long journey for you, man. You're now a junior at Missouri. Talk about the transition and the growth since you've left Spanish Ford and where you are now at Missouri. Um, I had to, it took a long time to get where I'm at. I had to do a lot of stuff off the field, work hard. I had to switch positions, but I had found success at the end. Let's talk about that position change for you. Of course, in high school, we had an opportunity to watch you be very versatile. I mean, play pretty much every position on the field and just get a lot of playing time. Now, switching up positions for yourself, let's talk about your new position, what you like about it, and the ability to take it to the next level at that position. What I like about the position, DB, is you can be yourself, and you can like be on attack mode the whole game. You can be physical as you want to, and you don't have to think as much. And I um, feel like on the offensive side of the ball, you have to think way more than you do on the defense side of the ball. To be able to represent not only Spanish Ford, Baldwin County, your family, Mobile, football, I know, talk about the high school level of football and the greatness that's there and how it's helped you at Missouri, the competition coming from a school like Spanish Ford. Um, it helped me because everything we did, like in the offseason in Spanish Ford, we kind of do the same things now. So I feel like they prepared us on the field-wise like to, be, to compete with the best of the best. We're speaking with Chris Abrams Drain. Chris, will there be any special teams action for you this year for the Missouri Tigers? Most definitely, I'll be playing special teams, probably two or three. Talk about the excitement that you have playing your position, the new cornerback position. Of course, in high school, you were able to play both sides of the football. I know wide receiver was where you came into Missouri initially playing. Of course, special teams being a returner as well. But this Missouri Tigers team this season, I know that it's one that the excitement level from the Mizzou fans are interesting and, and second to none playing in the zoo. What made you choose Missouri and kind of get out of your comfort zone and not be at Alabama or Auburn or Georgia and just find your own way at Missouri? Um, I had, it was the relationship I had with Coach Drink for one part, and I had a conversation with someone that's from Mobile, and he was like, he went somewhere far, and he had went to the NFL, so, and he said, keep like, your focus level up, because if I was too close to home, 
I'll be trying to go home every week or something like that. So I feel like it just made me focus even more. How much fun are you having in college football? I mean, you know, the difference in seeing your growth, your teammates, and Missouri being successful, how much fun is that for you? It's a lot of fun because I use the dream. I use the watch YouTube of what college players do, and now I'm doing it every day. So I can't complain about it. I'm just happy to be here. Being a role model, I know that's something that you being a father as well, something that I know is really instilled in you, family values. And I know, how did that change your life, just knowing that you are a father figure and you are a role model to so many other young Missouri Tiger fans? I just feel like it changed my life for the better because I just can't be going out there doing anything. I have to be president. I, got, I just have to have a clean face everywhere I go, have to have right attitude to help more people who come from where I come from see that they can do exactly what I'm doing. Chris Abrams Drang joining us on the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. Of course, he's one of the selections of Missouri coming and representing the Tigers here at SEC Media Day. You along with Cedric Johnson from Ole Miss, another Mobile, Alabama. What is it about the Mobile, Baldwin County players that just are seen worldwide on that big national map? What is it about that makes high school football so special and being seen and then that next level from collegiately continuing to be seen? I feel like it's just from the situations we come, we grow up in, like football is the easy part. So I feel like if football is the easy part, it's easy for us to give our all and do this because we could easily be doing something bad and doing going the wrong way in life. Chris Abrams Drain joining us on the final drive. Chris, congratulations on the success that you've had so far representing yourself and the Missouri Tigers and look forward to seeing you this 2023 season and really getting your shine on. Thank you for having me. MIZ. 754, thanks to Corey. And uh, a reminder that our WNSP folks will continue coverage of SEC Media Days uh, today. In fact, uh, things get started about an hour and 10 minutes. They start a little earlier today than they did yesterday. Yeah, and thanks to our title sponsors. We, we couldn't do it without Greer's Markets and Cash Saver, that beautiful location down there at St. Louis, the rooftop. Pat's Industrial and Auto Supply, appreciate them coming on. You know, I remember when uh, uh, Drain was, I guess he was wide receiver at the time, a sophomore mark, unbelievable, blazing speed, really came on the scene quickly. Eventually they moved him to quarterback, uh, took him to the state I believe it was the championship game, a little foggy in my memory on that. And then he got hurt, I think, in the championship game, either junior or senior year. Just an outstanding athlete and wish him the best. This year, uh, not only is there the defensive back from Spanish Fort on Missouri, but also uh, C.J. James, the transfer from Oregon, is on the Auburn team. And maybe eventually before we get into the season, we'll get him on. He transferred transferred in from Oregon I remember a conversation I had with his father I, I had met on uh, just touring around and his dad told me that you know he was contemplating uh, going NFL this was before the draft but it didn't quite work out that way so anyway um, we got at least two Spanish Fort defensive backs in the SEC that I'm aware of uh, you guys can jump in at 694-1055. Uh, we're going to be open for the next couple, three segments. Uh, we spent a lot of time uh, kind of recapping yesterday and, and also looking forward uh, to today. But.
The uh, Jeremy Pruitt stuff is something that continues to pop up. Yesterday, uh, the Knoxville News Sentinel uh, did a story, uh, thanks to some open records request. Um, Jeremy Pruitt apparently carried wads of cash at Alabama, similar to what he did at Knoxville. Now, I, I've mentioned this a couple times. For those that are just joining us, I want to reiterate that nowhere in the report does it indicate that he was passing out any of that cash to anybody that wasn't supposed to be getting it. However, you can't help but put two and two together. Um, and I know that's not what exactly what Alabama fans want to hear, but there's some interesting uh, information that came from those records, and there's a little math here. From 2016 to 2017, when he was the defensive coordinator, the Pruitts, he and his wife, made 40, counted 40, four-figure or five-figure withdrawals from their bank account. Okay? Now, that's what we call circumstantial. Not, There's no suggestion there that they gave that money to anybody. All right? Here's the problem, though. From 2018 to 2020, when he was in Knoxville, Pruitt and his wife made 75 four-figure and five-figure cash withdrawals, okay? So basically, in one year, it was 40 at Alabama. In two years, it was 75. So it's roughly kind of the same number per year, give or take, right? And when he was in Knoxville... He's already admitted at least two cash payments. Those are the ones he admitted to. So all I'm saying is it's really not a stretch to think that maybe some of those cash withdrawals in Tuscaloosa were going to people that shouldn't have been getting them. I mean, common sense tells you Right, And we joked yesterday that, man, this probably isn't the first time he's done this. right? You just don't get to a place after years of coaching and be like, all of a sudden, hey, honey, go to the ATM and grab me four figures worth of, of money because we've got to pass it out in Chick-fil-A or McDonald's bags. I don't think anything will come of it. I'm wondering if anybody's going to ask Nick Saban about it, though. Uh, what, tomorrow? Does he, hit the, does he hit the podium tomorrow? Yeah, I think it's tomorrow. Tomorrow, tomorrow morning. So you guys just chew on that. And if he if he is asked, how does he sidestep it? Yeah. Just say, hey, he's not on my staff now. Uh, Nathan did some quick math. That's that's four figures every five days that they were withdrawing money from. And look, he said that's his lifestyle. He pays it for everything in cash. So maybe he does. And maybe it's a whole lot of nothing. But hey. Cam Newton got offered money to play at Mississippi State. He turned it down to go play for free at Auburn. He did pretty well for that, too. <laughs> Auburn got their money's worth. <laughs> you guys can... Oh, look at you! Hour number three is next. Stay with us. is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all-sports radio station, 105.5 FM WNSP and WNSP.com. The latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim and Lee Shermanian. 
the opening kickoff. Here are Mark and Lee. All right, 8.04, welcome in. Hour number three of the uh, opening kickoff here on day two of SEC Media Days. And uh, it is brought to you on WNSP all week long. Don't forget also the afternoon show, too. The uh, presenting sponsors, Pat's Industrial and Auto Supply, as well as Greer's Markets and Cash Saver. You know, we, we mentioned about Greg Sankey uh, going on first, of course, as the commissioner and his uh, state of the SEC. And, you know, he talked about NIL most of the time, or let's say that was the deep-rooted conversation about how he feels Congress and not the states or the courts or NCAA can help. But here's the problem. I don't think it's going to get done in Congress either. Uh, it's election year coming up, and there are issues going on, and – I would say that next year when we're talking about uh, SEC Media Days in Dallas, if I'm still here, that we'll probably Wait. be on the issue. What? If you're still here? Well, yeah, you never know. I mean, a year from now, who knows if I'll still be around. But I'm saying it's not about me. I'm just saying it'll still be the issue. You're going to hit the transfer portal. I could. Yeah. Is Dion is transferring you out? Is there enough room in there? That's what I want to know. Um, so anyway, so with Greg Sankey, you know, calling on Congress – and look, he went up there. This is not anything new, and he didn't really tell us anything new yesterday. Uh, just the fact that you know he's putting the onus on Congress, whereas you have you know the the states with their laws and and nothing's equal. I mean, everything is different. The states have their own laws. The NCAA wants to have the power; they don't. And forget the courts right now. So I don't I don't see anything happening. I mean, it, it's nice to hear him talk about it because it it kills what uh, over twelve minutes at least, <laughs> without questions. But it, I don't think it's going to happen. So I think it's going to be an issue for uh, the, the meetings next year, and we'll just continue talking about the same thing. Uh, speaking of talking about some things, uh, we did some math uh, at the break. So over two years, Jeremy Pruitt took out 75 four-figure or five-figure withdrawals from his account, he and his wife. And uh, our our producer over there, Nathan, did the math. That's more than $200 a day spent. Or that's having $200 a day in cash. Didn't that, necessarily spend it, though, right? He had right, I mean, right. Really now, at on? least two of them have, been go have gone to players, as he, he said. At Alabama? No, no, no. At, at Tennessee. All right, he admitted clarify. to Tennessee. Uh, he admitted to Tennessee payments. I have not done the math on how much cash it is over a one-year span in Tuscaloosa, but he had forty withdrawals there. Maybe he likes to pay his power bill in cash. Maybe he goes to you know what is it Tennessee Power and 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 gets in line and pays his bill. Maybe he pays his phone bill in cash. Maybe he hits the Walmart in cash. Well, I never knew how to do, use the ATM machine, so that's out. But I I was into cash for a long time. I Everybody loves cash. Do they though? Why Especially do prospective student athletes. Oh, I see. All right. Well, not today. Is it it's with NIL? Is it cash or is it checks? What do they get? Uh, I'm or PayPal or Vimo, whatever. I'm just throwing stuff out. People <laughs> tell me. I don't know what it is. PayPal, Vimo. So you, do you you've never used a, a, a ATM? One time. 
Okay. And I'll tell you what happened. No, I don't, uh, and, and for good reason. But I remember I walked into a bank to basically take out some cash, I guess, or maybe just deliver money, and they said they had a $1 deal going that they will show you how to use the ATM, and they'll give you a dollar. I said, all right, fine. And they took me up there. The guy punched in all the dials. That was the only time, and he gave me a dollar. And that was the only time you've ever used an ATM? I didn't get any money back from the ATM. I just took his dollar. <laughs> do you ever get – so when you go into a store and you make a purchase with your and you swipe your card, do you ever get cash back? No. Yesterday, though, were the, one of the very few times <laughs> I actually paid in cash yesterday at Publix. Look at you, Jeremy Pruitt. Yeah. A big $5. Really? Yeah. I, I think Jeremy was probably taking out a lot more money than I was. Yeah. No, I, I've never done that before where you go in and use a credit card and get money back. I've never. Have you? Oh, yeah, all the time. Okay. I don't, I'm not aware of how that works. What's that? They don't give you the cash back immediately. It's, uh, it's later. It's Who? like, it's, it's online. It's not like the, you don't pay with the credit card and then they give you cash. Oh, I'm thinking. Uh, no, we're talking about going to a register and, and, and making a purchase and getting cash like back at a store. Supermarket. Oh, yeah, 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 oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. By Thank way, you though for that. Well, yeah, Thanks yeah. for that dynamite drop in. Peanut gallery. Yeah. Nice to nice to hear you, Nathan. Hey, well, uh, who was the winner on the Chick Fil A? Uh, Don. All right. The two teams, did, and we had a couple of responses that weren't successful. We had uh, guesses ranging from Oklahoma to SMU. SMU. Hmm. The two teams were Troy and TCU, teams that won at least 12 football games during the past year, 20 or more men's basketball, and 40 or more baseball. Troy and TCU. So congratulations, Don. Well done. All right. Uh, you guys can jump in. 694-1055 is the number. Uh, and, Let of course, throw you a question since you've been really hot on Pruitt. Do you think you'll ever coach college again, ever? I'm not talking about the six-year show coach, um, but I'm – I mean, he had a pretty good reputation as an assistant coach. Um, Georgia, Florida State, Alabama. Yeah, I mean, I th I think so. I mean, I don't think it'll be very high profile, but I th I think so. Um, Do you think he'll like land on his feet like Will Wade, who went from LSU to McNeese State, that type? You know, going to that level. Yeah, I think he has a better chance of getting on as an analyst early, because uh, you got to remember, in in six years. We're going to be laughing at the fact that anybody got in trouble for giving money to a football player. True. I mean, we'll have some real short-term memory here. You brought up a good point, though. Analyst. Put him there with Urban Meyer. Put him on the same – of course, they were just hired uh, – not Reggie Bush, uh, Ingram. I don't know if there's any room left. No, I don't think there is. I mean, Reggie was No, but out. that's not a bad idea. Like, somehow, somewhere with all these mediums, out, mediums uh, put him on as an analyst or something like that. Well, I think uh, in six years, if he's still interested in doing anything, that all this will have blown over. We have short-term memories as, as fan bases. And, again, what we consider to be egregious in, in breaking rules in, in college athletics will be a – far different in six years than it is right now. But I don't think it'll be as a head coach. I would think it'd be as an assistant. Right, but even the, like, so it's, and that's that. That's what makes this whole thing ridiculous now. And we talked about this yesterday. If, if these things, if Jeremy Pruitt was the coach at Tennessee now, he wouldn't have to give cash to recruit. 
he he missed his window by about three or four years because with these collectives in the NIL, it's just a different way of funneling money. And that's going back to your point with Sankey about how we just don't have that. Th that's what it became. It became exactly what we said it was going to become. It was going to be the Wild West. And basically, we just call it something different now. And it's legal. So we've had three coaches in the last couple of weeks that basically have lost their jobs for different reasons. Well, Pruitt, of course, lost his job way back, so it not his is not recent. But Pat Fitzgerald of Northwestern, who, by the way, yesterday Brian Kelly was even asked about that on the podium, you know, how he felt about that. And the other, of course, is Bob Huggins, you know, at West Virginia, who supposedly resigned and then said, no, I didn't resign, <laughs> even though his wife sent in the resignation or, or something along those lines. So we've had three coaches that have really so been stupid. going around. You're right, exactly, uh, around the merry-go-round now. But, no, uh, Brian Kelly, who obviously when he coached Notre Dame, they played Northwestern, I believe, and, you know, he, he knew Pat Fitzgerald. But, but here's a guy, 17 years as a head coach, is out because of hazing in the program. And now eight Northwestern uh, football players, I guess, maybe departed, have hired an attorney. So this is going to take on maybe civil a civil case, uh, give or take. So I'm curious, like, would Pruitt have a better chance of getting back in or Fitzgerald, who uh, at has this no point, show cause? I, at this point, I would say uh, Pruitt. See, I'd say Fitzgerald. He has no show cause. He doesn't have to worry about that. He wouldn't be suspended for the year. And Yeah, but would you He's got would a you really good record. Uh, for, no, he doesn't have a great record, but for what he did at Northwestern. But would you rather take a guy that did something that was once against the rules that is now more the norm or somebody that allowed a culture which resulted in um, illegal activity? Right. Yeah, I would take Fitzgerald for this reason. He wouldn't have to sit <laughs> out the year. Pruitt would have to sit out the first year. So what's the point? But hey, he was not legal yet. He was sexual. There, there was sexual abuse going on that's, in that. Yeah, but I'm telling you that if I had to hire a coach, that's like I saying I take Jerry Sandusky simply because there's no show cause. You take him. Now that's called sarcasm. You haven't, you no haven't, more. you haven't picked up on my sarcasm in all the years we've done radio. I, no, I mean I, you were away for a week. I kind of got I lost it. Sorry about that. That's okay. It's all right. We'll figure it out. Um, all right, let's do this. Let's do your scoreboard traffic and weather. We'll come back. We'll take your phone calls. Uh, somebody mentioned Rush Probst. Yeah. He's still well, going strong, by the way. Yeah. Pelham? Someone said it's all about wins. If a guy wins games, then he will always be given a chance to coach. I mean, look at Bruce Pearl, Hugh Freeze, etc. Bruce Pearl is a perfect example of how what he did back then was against the rules, and now what he was hit for is is almost laughable. It is. A barbecue. 815 SEC Media Days Day 2 coming up. Stay with us. The opening kickoff. Hey, this is Stuart Fink for the PGA Tour. You're listening to WNFB Sports Radio and Mobile. 
the only thing better than a little competition is best comp is more competition. And, and Brady is one of the most relentless competitors that we have on our football team. Um, he competes every single day, whether it's running the stadiums or how he eats or how he trains. And uh, he's one of those edgers, man. He ain't never letting anybody get an edge on him. And, and so that's consequently caused both Jake, Sam, and Dylan to really embrace that competition. And they know they got a long way to go. But the reality of it is we got to complete vertical balls down the field outside of the numbers and, and push the ball vertically down the field. And we've got to complete them. And whether that was injury or protection or whatever it was last year, it's got to get fixed. And whoever's going to give us the best opportunity to do that is going to be our quarterback. Welcome back in. 823, that's Missouri head coach Eli Drinkwitz, part of his uh, 12-minute filibuster yesterday during uh, day one of SEC Media Days. Yeah, when he was referring to Brady, uh, that wasn't, of course, the former NFL quarterback. That's Brady Cooks, one of the quarterbacks. Brady the, Quinn? Is it Quinn? Okay. No, the former NFL quarterback. Oh, no, Tom Brady. Oh, okay. Just, That's what I was referring to. Brady Quinn's got his own radio show these days. You ever hear it? No. All right. The uh, <laughs> show today, like all during the week, thanks to our sponsors, like uh, Ward International Trucks, Rich's Car Wash, McConnell Automotive, New Century Tires and Wheels, Chavis Furniture, and Ken Morgan, our good friend from State Farm. All right. You guys can jump I mean, in here. So all state. I said the wrong one. All state. Let me get that corrected. Ken Morgan with all state insurance. Sorry, Ken. Um, so we have a question on the app. So if Lee doesn't use an ATM or get cash back, how does he even get cash? Check. Do you cash a check? So is there ever an instance where you need like cash? And if so, how do you go about getting it? Do you just go like make a withdrawal at the uh, at the bank? I just go to the bank and just uh, usually it's a, a check and they'll just give me money back. Simple as that. Hmm. That's all I do. And yeah, that's it. I don't have much cash anymore. Hmm. Just like you. I don't have that bulky wallet, but I'm not sure it's credit cards or cash in yours. Chick-fil-A gift cards are taken. Have I place. given you that many? No. All right. No, I can assure you they're. They didn't have that on the cruise, a Chick-fil-A list? <laughs> no, they did they, not. Do they have any, uh, like, a McDonald's or anything or, like, something like that? I, I'm there are three station, stationary places where you go like, to take care of the kids, like, stuff like that, fast food or anything like that on a cruise? Stationary places on the cruise. Yeah. Yes. Uh, there, are, um, there are three restaurants on the cruise. They rotate you once a day to a different restaurant. But on the pool deck, there are all sorts of eateries that are open all day all night any of them fast food or yeah there was a there was a mexican pl uh place burgers and dogs and pizza and th they're open till like 11 every night soft serve ice cream was right up your alley fun for for the whole family family of all ages um let's see lee someone wanted to know if you would hire someone who let sexual abuse happen i think that was the pat fitzgerald conversation we were having last segment oh uh, depends. I'd have to really look into the resume on that and really do a, a if very you want, if you extensive want enough. study. Would I hire Pat Fitzgerald? Yeah, I, I said I would take him over Pruitt. Doesn't mean I'd hire him. But right now, Pruitt's basically untouchable because he's got that suspension. That was really the, the only thing I was looking at. This thing about the investigation into uh, Pat Fitzgerald, if you remember... When the investigation was done, uh, and I, I, don't, I don't know if it was an outside firm, they contended in it that Fitzgerald had no knowledge of it. 
Right, but wasn't it also found that he should have had knowledge of it? Oh, oh wait, okay. He they said he had no knowledge. So you're always trying to inference there to blame somebody. I I agree. Somebody should have known about it with a staff of about I don't know how many they have, thirty or whatever. I on the air said somebody, whether it's a, a grad assistant, or somebody must be around the team that had to know something was going on. Now he was absolved in the investigation. But then again, being the CEO of the program, and it was really the student newspaper that let the that really precipitated or triggered the firing. Remember, he was suspended for two weeks without pay, and then all of a sudden they let him go after the student newspaper got some wind from, you know, a, a, a student athlete or so, who basically now again I'm I'm just going you know I don't have the in-depth study of this and I haven't read, but apparently one of these uh, student athletes on the team said he was out to get him. And he was going to do whatever he took to send him to jail. But the study that the, the study that they paid for said that he had no knowledge. Now you can take that for what it's worth. Obviously, some coach or somebody on that staff must have had knowledge. It'd be impossible not to. You got a little heated there. You okay? Got a little worked yeah, up. A little, yeah, but I had to get my little drink of choice there. Which is what? Uh, the water from our machine out there. Hmm. Our watering machine, bottled water. Well, it's not bottled. Mine is bottled. Hmm. So to answer the question, I first of all, I'm not in a position to hire and fire, so it doesn't really fall on my shoulders. But if you believe that report that he had no knowledge, and of course, if I was interviewing the guy, I'd want to go very extensively into it. Whereas with Pruitt, to me, he's untouchable right now because he, he wouldn't be working for me. Interesting. The president of Northwestern wrote an open letter to the university community with an investigation by an outside law firm detailing the hazing that was, quote, widespread and clearly not a secret within the program. But he didn't know about it. All right. Well, you don't believe anybody, so what difference does it make? You 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 find people guilty before anything. Good one. Yeah. Yeah. How do you Zing. Like that? Yeah. <laughs> Hate to have you on the jury. All right. Uh, we come back. Uh, our guys got a chance to catch up with Josh Williams, the LSU running back. Stay with us. The uh, opening kickoff continues. Apologetic commitment to wanting to be excellent both in the classroom and on the football field. I think a lot of universities sometimes want to apologize for wanting to be good at both, and, and I don't quite understand that sometimes. It takes resources, no doubt, but it, and it takes, I think, a vision that, that says we want to do both. We want to be great in the classroom. We want to be great on the athletic fields. LSU wants that. That's the bar. I knew that, and that's why I wanted to be the head coach here. 8.33, welcome back in. That's the voice, obviously, of Brian Kelly, who took the podium yesterday at SEC Media Days. You know, Mark, he was – he actually – you had raised the question, would he be asked about Alabama? I, I tried to catch his press conference with the print media. I didn't hear the Alabama question come up at all. I didn't hear the whole speech, but I – in the beginning, he didn't, ref, he didn't reference that. Uh, I don't know – 
we had talked about the over-under. I said it might be in the third question or so, so I was a little bit off on that. He may have addressed that later on in subsequent interviews that he had. But um, he he did bring up the fact that what a great year it was for with LSU with the women's basketball championship uh, and also the baseball team and, you know, the fact that LSU won the West. So it really indeed was a, a really terrific year for LSU sports. And that was where he started his conversation with, and he moved on and hoped that there'd be consistency. Now, we do have an interview coming up with one of his players, and it's, it's an interesting uh, story. Josh Williams, a running back who was a walk-on. So I'll leave it at that, and you can hear the rest with uh, Corey LeBound. He had him on the afternoon show. Let's pick up that interview. SEC Media Days 2023, downtown Nashville. Josh Williams, running back, LSU, joining us this afternoon on the final drive. Josh, how are you doing? I'm doing well, man. It's a great opportunity to be here. Talk about going from walk-on at LSU to having an opportunity, three-time academic all-SEC, so it's not just football for yourself, but the opportunity to talk to Jim Nagy earlier from the Senior Bowl and just to be able to further your LSU Tiger career. It's, all, it's an amazing feeling to be here, and first and foremost, just to see all the guys in, in the past at LSU that have gone here to media day and what they mean to the coaching staff and what they mean to the team. It's, a, it's an honor to be here. Um, I take pride in um, my academics. Uh, of course, I always wanted to be uh, on a roll since I've been here, and which I've continued to do. But uh, as far as uh, on the field play, being a walk-on, it's been a long journey of ups and downs. I knew it wasn't going to be easy, per se. I asked, I even whenever I talked to Coach uh, O when I came into the LSU, he said it wasn't going to be easy. But um, I just kept my head down. Uh, I just wanted to stay consistent. I didn't want to whine. I didn't want to be on anybody's radar. I just kind of wanted to disappear and just let everybody realize how hard this kid works. Josh, talk about going from Coach O to Coach Kelly. Obviously, two phenomenal coaches, two very different styles of coaching. And then in year one with Brian Kelly, you guys go and win the SEC West and hopefully take the next step as a program this season. Well, um, Coach O was an amazing coach. They're both amazing coaches. But Coach O ultimately gave me the opportunity to earn a scholarship in college football, which I'll always uh, ex uh, love him for. And Coach Kelly, he has given me the opportunity to start actual game in college football and actually become more of a vocal leader and more of a man of a confident man of, and a person in, in my own so I'm, I'm forever forever indebted into both of these coaches for what they've done for me they've changed me as a man they've helped me grow as a person so I'm, I'm very thankful talking about growth talk a little bit about the growth of Jaden Daniels in the year he's been in the program obviously he's also looking to take the next step as a quarterback this season Jaden Daniels has grown so much from the time he uh, touched down on LSU. I, in my opinion, I, I've seen him gain weight, get stronger off the field or um, in the offseason. I've seen him. I've seen him coordinate player-only practices with the O linemen and the, the running backs and the receivers, really bringing in that um, that energy. That hey, guys, we need to get the timing right. This isn't about the coaches. This is about us. If we want to win, this is going to be. We have to go do it. So he's being more of a vocal leader, and he's out there just getting everybody ready. Talking about getting people ready, Death Valley was rocking last year when you guys played the Alabama Crimson Tide. I know you played a lot of games down in Baton Rouge. Is that the loudest and most exciting college environment that you've ever been a part of? 
for the first for the first time ever since 2019, I can say that was the loudest game I've ever been a part of. Before that game, it was definitely the Auburn game at Tiger Stadium when um when Joe Burrow uh, when we beat them at the last minute, but or in the fourth quarter. But this was the most intense I've ever felt Tiger Stadium. The whole ground was was, was vibrations and and it not only did the whole ground vibrate the whole game that we won it in overtime and everybody rushed the field right afterwards. So I mean like that's just like a fairy tale ending against Alabama. It doesn't get any better than that. Now I gotta tell you Josh, I, I was at that game and I'm an Alabama fan. I'm an Alabama grad, so you know y'all y'all ruined my night and ruined my time in Baton Rouge. But you know I'll, I'll forgive you for it. You know talk about going to Tuscaloosa now this year. You you guys are the defending mm -hmm. SEC West champions. So you know what is it like now being the hunter hunted instead of the hunter? I mean it's always uh, tough being the the hunted because everybody wants to come for your neck and for your throne or whatever. But. We're just going to use it as our advantage. We know everybody's going to be aggressive and everybody wants to attack us. So we're just going to take it one game at a time and just stay solid. I will ask you this. Coach Kelly comes in and he gets talked about because of his accent. Has his accent improved? He said when he's in different parishes or North Louisiana, South Louisiana, it has to get better. Has it gotten better as your play has gotten better? I think Coach Kelly has just gotten more and more comfortable as he's gotten in Louisiana. I mean, Everybody in Louisiana is so welcoming, and the relationships you build out here, are, I mean, they're lifelong. That's the one thing I can say about Louisiana is that when I got here, the people I met and the relationships I formed can't get better than that. Jamarcus Russell from Mobile, Alabama. I know, you know, he's one of those guys, number one overall draft pick. I know you have aspirations of making it to the NFL. When you look, you talked about the history and seeing all the former professional NFL players. It goes beyond that. WNBA players, you look at baseball players. The year that LSU had in the athletic calendar, how much fun was that for you as an LSU student athlete? It was so much fun just to look at the history and be a part of the history. You know, I mean, I can always come back to LSU and my name will always be on the 2019 plaque and I would just love to do that again. You know, that's, that's our goal. Can't thank you enough for joining us at SEC Media Days. Wish you the best this season. That was Josh Williams, the LSU running back. You know, I also yesterday, and, and I've, I've said this about Brian Kelly, he doesn't... Uh, basically sink away from you know tough competition i believe mark and i wasn't sure if i actually read this correctly or heard it i heard him say that he wouldn't mind playing a 12 game sec schedule did that come up did you hear that at all yesterday and, and again it's not going to happen but he he doesn't shrink away from you know competition that's for sure it's, e it's easy to say you you're willing to do something that you know is never going to happen but I, what I did, th what I thought was interesting was uh, Brian Kelly talking about yesterday how he had to get used to the idea of playing these big games in these venues he's never been to. He didn't really know everything his team was capable of because it was year one. And now that he he's he understands that dynamic, uh, I, he's certainly a lot more confident. And that's not to say he wasn't confident going in. But look, I I, I think there LSU's coming with a huge chip on their shoulder and huge expectations. Um, and I think if they don't win the West, it's going to be a disappointment. Um, now, he, he, he said all the right things. He talked about consistency, and you know that's what separates um, Alabama and Georgia from LSU right now. But 
he also made it very clear you can't be consistent after one year, right? So um, I, I think he said all the right things. He was, to me, a lot more entertaining than Drinkowitz was. And I enjoyed listening to, to him a lot more than I did Jimbo because I just get this I it's a technical term. I get this icky feeling when I this when, when I listen to Jimbo talk. Like I, hustler. Yeah, I I felt like he was a little condescending uh, during the Q and A, and he pointed out like the 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 faults and the questions, but kind of laughed it off. And I don't know. I just I, I felt like I, I just I, I don't get a good vibe from from him at all. I also felt like he gets really really defensive when you bring up nil. And when you bring up uh, whether or not he's on the hot seat. Well, I think any coach would be defensive on the hot seat, right? I mean, what, you mean when you well, go right to him and say, is this your, if you don't win, are you out or something like that? I, I think, but of course, then you look at a $77 million buyout. That'll set you up for life. Right, but I just, I don't. But no coach wants to I think to he be. gives the, I think the reason it bothers me when he when he gets defensive about buyout and you know hot seat talk is because i feel like he thinks there's no reason to be talking about that you know does that make sense like he's he he can't believe that this is even a topic of conversation you're like how do, how do you not how can you not see this <laughs> i can't argue with that that's obviously you should be able to see it coming off a five and seven record what is he into his fifth year now of a 10-year deal yeah, I mean Something that, like that. That, that that plaque's still sitting up there without that's that right. engraved national championship the other, date. The other thing that's come out of this and and look, I, I, I it's just it's it's not something that I, I I'm concerned about. But when when the, when a players or whoever said they're not sure they, they, they don't know if Texas or Oklahoma has any idea what they're getting into. You know, th- those programs have played some pretty big time games over the years. I mean, I that was think a great quote, though. Good. That was from Josh Williams. That was I, a great that's quote. That's what I thought. Yeah, but I, I think they have a pretty good idea. We shall see. Hey, when we come back, we try to get you the most informed, most entertaining guests possible here uh, during SEC Media Days. When those guys aren't available, we get Nick. He's going to join us next right here on the Sports Station. Stay with us. Hey, this is Dabo Sweeney, and you're listening to WNSP 105.5. Guys, coach, have you, have you ever been in any, in any staff room that, isn't, that doesn't have arguments or disagreements? Every coaching staff in America has that uh, argument or disagreement. That's part of it. But, no, it just, I'm the boss. We're the boss. We'll do it at the end of the day. But you listen to everybody's opinion. Everybody can voice their opinion. I, I want guys with opinion. I want guys who have knowledge. I want guys who make you think. I want guys to create different uh, narratives that brought to the table that can help us. I think that's the, I think it's the best thing you have. And I think that's one of the reasons, some of the reasons you hire them, to do different scenarios and different things like that. But as far as that, we all have great respect for each other, and it's been tremendous. We've had great, we've had great response and haven't had any issues. That's a, that's a guy you probably don't need me to identify, but for those that aren't sure, that's Jimbo Fisher. Would you rather have lunch with or dinner with Jimbo or Bobby Petrino? Hmm. Interesting. I take Jimbo. I don't know. I feel like I wouldn't be able to get a word in edgewise if That's I talked okay. to Jimbo. Right. How was your day, Jimbo? Meanwhile, I'm eating dessert, dude. Still answering the question. I mean, come up for air every once in a while. It's it's not hard. All right. Uh, speaking of hot air, let's uh, let's bring on our final guest of the day. 
uh, the one and only Triple G. Nick, good morning, sir. Hola, buenos dias. How we doing, guys? How did the uh, wrap up the first day for us? Your first day up there, your opinion, how it went, what you took away from it, the good, the bad, the indifference. Uh, well, you know, it was a it was a great fun time. I'm sitting here with my guy Michael and Root. We ended up actually wrapping the day yesterday at the Bridgestone Arena. We snuck onto the ice and we were throwing the football. Uh, that's why Corey's not here. I think he slipped and he might have tore something, but he'll be here later. But in terms of SEC football, I was most impressed by uh, Brian Kelly, man. Dude, dude's a baller. He wanted all the smoke. He was talking all that smack. Uh, I think he's he might be the new king of the SEC West. Is my is Michael Bronner on there with you? Yes, I am, Lee. How do you feel about that? You being the Alabama fan. Well, it's it's an interesting year. There's a uh, there's a different vibe around here in that. I think LSU is kind of seen by most as the favorite, depending on who you ask. But, uh, I mean, it, it certainly is different than any other year in that LSU shows up as a lot of people expect them to win the SEC West rather than think they'll contend in the SEC West. And it'll almost be a disappointment for LSU if they don't win the SEC West. And, you know, Brian Kelly, Mark talked about it in the last segment, you know, Brian Kelly talking about how year one was a figure-it-out year for him and learning how to play in these stadiums. But they still won the SEC. West. So, you know, now what do you do in year two? Bronner, it's it's great to have you on. So let me ask you this. As, a, as an Alabama guy, we've been talking about Jeremy Pruitt and, and the number of uh, withdrawals he and his uh, wife have made from their personal accounts. There were open records requests re revealed he had 40, 40 four-figure or five-figure withdrawals during his time in Tuscaloosa as the defensive coordinator. There is no indication what that money was used for, but what does your in, inner Crimson Tide tell you? I mean, you know, I, it, it's probably probably uh, donated to a good cause, and you know, Jeremy, <laughs> Pru Jeremy Pruitt's a family man, and you know, everyone knows him as a philanthropist and well, listen, an all-around good guy. We're, we're going to have a similar. We might have a similar controversy come up about what uh, withdrawals we made up here in Nashville from the WNSP account. So we we can't say anything too incriminating. <laughs> well, we know that's made up because you can't withdraw anything from an account that doesn't have anything in it. Half of nothing is nothing, but guys. Aren't you on well, a uh, per diem of like for the four of you fifty dollars a day? Yeah, what's your yeah, per diem know. up there, man? We're scraping. We're Blank scraping check. it. We're Blank scraping check. it together, and uh, you know we're, we're we're making it work. Blank check meaning like you cannot write a value on there because, like you said, there we can't uh, cash. So, that. all right, guys, let me ask you this because I know how chaotic it can be. Did you get turned down for any interviews? Uh, yeah, we were chasing uh, Drinkowitz and Brian Kelly around. Uh, they had to apprehend. We did get a lot of, uh, yeah, we'll be right back and do it here in a little bit. But you know how that goes. Once you see they're back, they're gone. They're not coming back. It's Stephen Root, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, buddy. How about it? How about speaking of per diems? These guys, no <laughs> doubt, are drinking their per diems. I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty convinced. 
A uh, lot of seltzer waters with lime last night at the Bridgestone <laughs> Arena until we were kicked off the so, ice for throwing so, the football. All right, so what was the uh, the deal last night? What kind of an event did they throw at the uh, Bridgestone Arena? And that's where that's where the hockey team plays, right? That's the right. Predators. It was quite the shindig, Lee. You missed out. They had some mini Nashville chicken sliders. Uh, they had some white bean hummus cups. Mark, I know you'd be all over <laughs> oh. that. Some blue cheese raisin oh, dip. Terrible. <laughs> you guys should have seen the spread at brunch yesterday. That oh, yeah. salmon, chicken, mac and cheese. It was, it was something. So I know when uh, <laughs> Nick, and Nick and I talked, and Nick is always talking about networking. So when you guys go out, do you just stay in a little corner, the three of you or four of you, or do you actually go out and meet people? Actually, no, we were, we were running five on five. Uh, touch football on the ice last night with uh, some of the other stations. So watching the way uh, Corey played basketball, it's not surprising that Corey's the one that might have slipped and hurt himself. Like I said, there's a reason you're not hearing his voice right now. Yeah. He's on ice. Uh, how did we do in the, uh, uh, did you represent WNSP well? Oh yeah, enough to where uh, it was getting out of hand, they had to shut it down. Yeah. Michael started uh, ripping his shirt off and yelling at the other stations. We had to calm him down, but I think he's he's cooled off. Steven, Steven, you're kind of like the veteran. I, I mean, these guys are all first timers, and you've been, you know, you were with our station for a long time. Do you kind of feel like the godfather of this group, or what? Well, everybody knows that I am, and uh, they needed an old wily veteran to come up here and lead them and oh, put no. them on the right path. Roots so. like that drunk uncle that yeah, uh, came right. along on the family <laughs> vacation. Yeah. <laughs> Right. So let me ask you, what do you got planned this afternoon, Michael? What do I have planned for the this show? Afternoon? For the show, not on your <laughs> food and drink. Uh, you know, I, I hear there's going to be a big lunch probably at 11 o'clock. <laughs> That's morning. That's not afternoon. Is that, is it? Uh, well, you know, we got we uh, we had Jake Crane on yesterday. Uh, we pre-recorded something, so we'll play that later today. You know how these things go. It's a lot of playing it by ear. So you know, we have Georgia and uh, and Auburn and uh, uh, Vanderbilt and Mississippi State today. So we're gonna wrangle up as we, many players as we can. We're gonna have Cole, we're gonna record Cole Kublick as well at ten. So be sure to tune in for all of that. And we're gonna get a bunch of players as well. We've been told that uh, Hugh Freeze is not going to be appearing at. Radio Row, but we've planned that you know we got four of us. We're gonna box him in. We're gonna follow him to his car, and we're gonna we're gonna get an interview that, out of him. That would be a first for the Auburn coach not to make the rounds at Radio Row. Every year that I covered, the Auburn coach was very visible. I, I'm surprised to hear you say that. What about the yeah, players? What about their players? Uh, we're gonna get all the players, but I was saying, man, if we don't get Hugh Freeze, we're just gonna have to start bad mouthing him in Mobile, and he just won't be recruiting out of there anymore. Well, that'll, that'll look good. That'll, that'll help us. <laughs> that'll help our image. All right, guys. Well, you guys have fun today. Don't do anything Lee wouldn't do. Oh, man, we've already uh, we have already eclipsed that, my friend. You know, uh, I learned something new about Lee today. He's, he's never really used an ATM. He's only used it once. Wow. I didn't use it. The the guy who was in charge used it for me. Yeah, we've been talking about money and Jeremy Pruitt a little bit today and, you know, what may or may not have happened with all those. Yeah, uh, I don't know what you guys are alleging might have happened. The guy's a philanthropist. The guy's an all-around good guy. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know what, what you're, well, what don't, you're alluding don't, to. Don't, but don't, hey, Michael, don't ruin my uh, Mark's story. You know? <laughs> you know, he doesn't like anything to dampen his... Uh, 
Hey, hey, Michael, you can. I, I compared it to Cam Newton, right? So he got offers to get paid to play at Mississippi State. He oh, turned you're it down. Cam Newton. Yeah, he got. He turned it down to go play at Auburn for free. It's 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 very similar. Sure. I mean, you know, Jeremy Pruitt. I mean, if there was if there was a shady activity going on, I, I'm sure he had no knowledge of it. Nothing wrong with a young entrepreneur getting into the electronics business. Sure. So, uh, you guys gonna have Clark Lee on today? Who is that? <laughs> I just I don't understand. <laughs> He's that's only, the plan, he, yes. Yeah, we'll he, say he, yes, that's the plan. He's the coach at Vanderbilt. <laughs> oh, Clark Lee. We're going to try. I, I didn't say Clark Kent. I meant Clark Lee. Yeah, we're uh, we're, cer we're certainly going to try. He's going to be a hot commodity, so so we're going to see. Root, i got to say, man, I never thought I'd see the day here at WNSP where you were the grown-up in the room. Well, I've come a long way, buddy. It, it's, it says a lot, and I'm, I'm glad to fill that role for these guys hey, this weekend. Hey, how's week. the shuttle, sir? How's the shuttle working these days? Easy breezy. It's, it's working today. We did not uh, go on a, a tour around Nashville uh, this morning. We got straight here to the hotel, so that's good. All right, guys. Well, we appreciate it, man. Thanks for uh, all the hard work. We'll be uh, we'll be sitting here watching social media go nuts here in day two but uh y'all have a great day and we'll catch up with you tomorrow yes sir hey everybody go on uh, our facebook and twitter we're updating everything live so you can see all the good content and stay up to date on all the breaking news of sec media days there you go that's uh nick wiggins michael Bronner, steven roots Corey labounty sleeping in the er i, I don't know We'll have to get some sort of a clarification or there. Or getting first aid, according to them. Yeah. Um, but tomorrow on the show, well, let me let me say this. So today, for those that uh, aren't familiar with the schedule, uh, they're starting earlier today than they did yesterday. Yesterday, they started around 1130. They're getting ready to start here uh, with, uh, with day two, which starts off, I might add, with um, Vanderbilt. That's at 905. Um Georgia at 10.30, Auburn at 1, Mississippi State at 2.25. We'll recap it all for you on tomorrow's show. How's that sound? Uh, I want to thank Nathan back there behind the uh, the glass and for Lee Vane. That's uh, I'm Mark. That's the opening kickoff. We'll be back tomorrow at 6 a.m. Until then, see ya! <laughs>